It is Tuesday, March 10th. I'm Tannen Grace. This is Ross Merriam, and this is the Pioneer Podcast. How you doing, Ross? I am tired. Oh, God, we're back to this again? You have a good excuse. Yeah, I, I spent all day yesterday flying west to east, which is like the worst thing to do across the country. So I, I went from San Francisco airport all the way uh, back home to Roanoke and didn't sleep so well last night, but managed to make it through versus this afternoon. Uh, now we got to do some podcasting, then I got to do some testing. So it's always like um, it's always a uh, rough time when I have a, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not getting back to Roanoke till Monday night. And then I'm leaving early Friday morning, which I do for Baltimore to take the train. Um, yeah. So I basically have a three day week where I've got to, you know, do all the same content that I normally do. And I'm now preparing for a tournament. And, you know, it was kind of awkward to try to do any work last week because of the ban announcement that we knew was coming yesterday. Yeah. Like, what w- can you really test yeah. the top decks? You're not even sure dig through time is going to be legal or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and honestly, like, I've got to say, I'm surprised by, uh, you know, and, and we'll get into that later uh, mm-hmm. w- with the band. So, you know, it's just going to be a, a it's going to be a, a short week and a, and a sort of a long week all at the same time. But it was mm-hmm. definitely worth it. Loved hanging out with uh, my old friends from the Claremont Colleges. Um, really only two of them, I guess. <laughs> Are, so what did y'all what did y'all do? Like, what was the besides drinking? There's probably copious drinking. I'm assuming there's a significant amount. Yes. <laughs> I saw the I saw the mimosas picture that was uh yeah. put up on. I had that carafe mm-hmm. and then ordered a refill. Yeah, yeah, you did. Of course you did. Yeah. On the carafe. Yeah. <laughs> I got helped out on the second one. Is that is that actually the word of what I've literally never heard that word before in my life. Yeah, the the like jug that flares at the top. Yeah, yeah, I mean I, could, I yeah, I could see it in my head and I was like I didn't know that had a specific name, yeah. you know? Like it, okay, that's that is, cool. Yeah. So uh I guess you you learn something new every day. Yeah, that was Friday and then uh you know, hung out a lot just at the, you know, at the rental house that we had. We went out one night uh to a cool bar with some games and then went to a actually went to a amateur wrestling show, which is not really my thing, but I'm, you know, it's a big crowd and I just go along with it. That that was a uh, an experience. Okay. Um, there was a man whose character was cereal man. Like, is in like what you eat for breakfast? Yeah, basically, he just wore a basically a box of cinnamon toast crunch on his head, and he, like like a luchador, but with yeah. cinnamon toast. Okay, I'm trying to envision this. We, mentally. we were okay. chanting cereal, cereal. It was. Okay. Uh, I told you it was this, an experience. This sounds yeah. awesome. Actually, I got handed a vape pen by a random person. You know, did you partake? I did. That's probably not. That's probably okay. Everybody listening at home, don't do that yeah, right now. Not the smartest decision I've made, especially not right now in this country. Anyway, go ahead. But uh, you know, wash wash your hands. It, it worked out fine. I slept pretty well that night. <laughs> I'm I'm sure. Um, uh, we went out and you know went to a local brewery and winery. One second, you, you, I want to go back to the wrestling for half yeah. a second. Like all I could see in my head was it was it kind of like. What was it? Uh, wrestlers versus robots. On, oh, no, I mean, your mother. I mean yeah. there weren't any robots. It was. I mean, right. it was wrestling, but with like you know much scaled back production value, right? Yeah, like was the was the ring kind of shoddy? You know, I mean, like, it was the ring was fine, but there were no like stands or anything. We we're all standing on the ground, like looking up at it. Oh, you're that, standing? Yeah, there were no seats. It was like in wow. a. It was in a warehouse. Awesome. This is this sounds yeah. amazing. Um, and, and you know, wrestlers with weird. You know, character names came up, and 
You know, it was just it was just everything you think about when you think about like WWE, but with you know scaled down to something regional or local. Every time I've seen the regional or local stuff, it it has the feel of like WWF. You know, I'm talking like the '90s, like before the Attitude Era. Like, sure. I'm talking about like the we're still pretty racist with a lot of the characters that we have, or everyone's got a massive amount of body paint and everyone's on steroids. You know, that kind of era. Yeah, I, definitely not a lot of steroids here. Um, a lot of over, like a lot of beer guts. Yeah, I think that was more, more our speed. Uh, but I, I mean. It was fun. We just hang out, catch up. I, I got you, to play a fun game at, at brunch with everybody because we realized that like none of us really know exactly what everyone else does, right? Right. You know, and so we played the game. Who pays you and why? <laughs> that was the question. <laughs> After a carafe of mimosas, that was the question that I devised to, to right. solve that problem: was who pays you and why? And was your answer? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm the I'm the one whose job is most stable. To be honest, like I've been doing the same thing for like five or six years. They all know what I do. You know, I go to tournaments. They're all like, "Ah, oh, where's the next place you're going?" You know, I I don't think they don't realize I had scaled back a little and like I'm traveling a little less and traveling more locally and regionally, um, as opposed to like the cross country stuff and and international stuff. So, uh, you know, you just catch up with old friends. Hadn't seen a lot of them. Um, you know, one had a new boyfriend. We all got to meet him. That that's been a that's been a fun experience over the years. Just like new person comes in, it's like okay, hope you fit in. <laughs> it's kind of important. That's when like I find that that moment is like a. It doesn't seem like it, but that is a significant like part of a relationship, like a significant step. Where like the first time you know you really hang out with all the friends, right? It's like I hope they like them. I hope they fit in. I hope they're not secretly a weirdo and do something that's like really embarrassing. You know, yeah, it's a very high high risk scenario, especially because we're all staying together, you know, in one place. So, uh, but no, he was great, and, and we all liked him. So that that was a, a big success. Uh, we all got to meet, you know, the, the new baby that one of the couples had in, in, earlier this year. So that was also exciting. So a lot of cool things for this trip, uh, you know, wrestling included. Uh, this this made me think of a story. I don't know if I've ever did I did I ever tell you the story about, um when i was in texas like when i was living in frisco texas right outside of dallas it's in dallas yeah right um did i ever tell the story about uh my wife my then you know my then girlfriend natalie and my co-host of the show that i was doing there the esports show that i did where like he kind of got to know her i'm trying not to like give away the story i I haven't heard the story let's go okay story time so um you know, Natalie and I, we lived in separate apartments while we were in Dallas. Like, you know, we're dating and stuff at this time. We're getting pretty serious or whatever. And this is like right before we started living together. But, you know, I'm doing my show. She's doing her work or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she would come and hang out, you know. And so um, I, I lived with uh, my co-host, uh, Nathan Zamora, a.k.a. That's Admirable. A lot of y'all might have even heard of him because he's top eight at a Grand Prix recently. He's been doing some coverage for Magic when they do a lot of the Twitch stuff. Classic canon um, name drop. Keep the story well, going. Well, yeah. Well, like it's important. He, he's he's part of the story anyway. Okay. Um, but we're doing Hearthstone <laughs> at the time, right? And so we're doing our show, and our show looks like Sports Center. You know, we have like the desk. We're standing up and we're just chatting. And um, sorry, is that like above the curve? Yeah, it was like above the curve, <laughs> except except is that what Sports uh, Center is like. No, but which is better better production value. Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, our studio was like a two point one million dollar studio or something crazy. Like they 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 went all out. Like we had the a lot of the people that worked on the show Dallas, you know that the the revamp the re, the of the re- show. Yeah, yeah. Like my director was like from that show, you know, and like as he would tell cool stories and stuff or whatever. But um, 
so we're doing the show and in between takes so the show is usually like about four hours live that destroys your voice yeah you know so um underneath our desk i always had like a cup of cold water a cup of hot water like an energy drink a coffee and like tea with like (laughs) you know honey and green like just literally the the whole shebang utility belt of beverages yeah literally i'm just batmaned up with like beverages around my thing so during one of the commercials i'm sitting there and i'm like drinking something because i you know i really need to drink whatever i'm drinking and Nathan asked me some question and he like looks at me. And so I turned to him and just out of instinct, I sign my answer to him like in, in sign language. And he just like stops and looks at me and he's like, why do you know sign language? You know, cause I like, just like random. I was like, oh, sorry. I, you know, I was like, oh, sorry. I signed it just a reaction. And I was like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said my answer. And he goes, why do you know sign language? And I just look at him. And I'm like, dude, Natalie's deaf. And he goes, oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> right. I'm just like, well, Okay, I need more. I need more context. You know, we're still in commercial. I'm like, I need more context. And he goes, Yeah, you know, like she was hanging out the other day. It was like the second or third time she'd been there. And you know, you left the room to go use the restroom or something. And I tried to have a conversation with her, and she just ignored me. And he's like, And this wasn't the first time this happened. And I was like, Dude, she didn't ignore you. She just couldn't hear you. And he goes, Yeah, I just thought she was a bitch. <laughs> so he's like, This makes a lot more sense now. And so this story got told at our at our wedding, you know, like the night before at the rehearsal dinner. Oh, it yeah. was very there was a lot of laughing going on. It was it's a really good one. And I was just like, no, man, like, you know, because it's, it's it's one of those things like, you know, you just don't know or whatever. It was just it was really funny. You made me think of that. And every time I tell that story, I love it because it's so funny. And I, I would be nervous then for them having the first conversation because they're like, OK, now I really hope it goes well. <laughs> because, right. <laughs> we're already like, even though like. You know, you learn like, okay, I was, I was, you know, ignorant here. Uh, you know, the, it's still like plants that seed in the back of your head, right? You're, you're kind of psychologically primed, um, and you gotta like do some work to actually undo that, even though you realize that like you were the one who was mistaken. So uh, I, that would just make me extra nervous for the next time they hung out. But I assume everything went well. I mean, like, yeah, they, they were, they were fine after that. Uh, Nathan is used to putting his foot in his mouth. You know, if you <laughs> do broadcasting as much as he's done or you know because he's you know done way more than i have in you know i've put uh we had a ron burgundy moment on the show well not a ron burgundy moment because so part of our show was scripted even though it was a live show which is really annoying we'll, we'll not get into that that was like one of the downfalls of the show but um we had to like write scripts out and um our director got final say on stuff and the and in one episode the director slipped an f-word into my into myself we were not but we were not supposed to cuss yeah um we uh we had like real sponsorships and stuff. And you don't want to lose any of that. You know, we had like UFC, like one of the energy drinks, like a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, I thankfully skipped over it, but it like tripped me up a little bit. Cause like when you're reading and you're trying not to look like you're reading on a show, it's difficult. You'd like get that kind of, uh, yeah. a lot of the time you're just glance down, absorb the words, look back up, keep talking. Yeah. And it's all and, like, instinctual. You, you're like, you're not you're digesting trying to remember the what words you, really. Yeah, you're trying to remember what you wrote and like trying to get the gist of it and then like not trip yourself up when you don't say it word for word. It's like it's a skill. It's it's difficult. Um, you know, I definitely mess up a few times. He, however, did drop an F bomb in one of the shows and I froze because like, you know, like, what are you supposed to do? He just, he just, He's got to keep going, something. but it's yeah. hard to do well, that. The thing is, is like even if you freeze for, you know, I froze for like 1.5 seconds or whatever, but on a live show. That's that's a long time. And, you know, I have my head, you know, we have a little, uh, you know, the, the CIA thing, you know, into our ear so the director can talk to us. And he's just like, say something, say something, say something in my ear. And I'm just like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I just, I just start just 
it was really bad. Like, we went to commercial after that. And I was like, I don't even remember what I said. I didn't know I started talking and word vomit happened. Anyway, nice little tangent there. But was that was that pretty much your weekend? Was there anything else? Uh, no, I hung out at the brewery and the winery the next day. You know, got to see, you know, our uh, rental was like right, literally right on the bay. Like nice. our deck overlooked it and we had some, uh, some nice chairs out there. So, you know, just like hung out there at night, shot some shit. I showed them uh I showed them love letter and uh I tried to show them drinking flux but uh that got a little too complicated. I don't I don't know that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm aware of love letter. Drinking drinking flux. Have you you haven't played any version of flux? I no. Yeah, there's like a million different decks are all themed and like it's this crazy game where the rules are constantly changing mid game but they're all like right in front of you but you do have to keep track of all of them. So it's it makes for an odd drinking game because like it's hard it's, continually gets harder to keep track of everything so that was a that was a little beyond our reach but uh love letter worked pretty well wait are rules preset or do people just come up with random rules the, the rules are on cards that generate new rules that okay. are added to the game that can be added or eliminated at you know various times i remember a similar game people used to play here but i never partook so yeah but the love letter worked well so yeah i'll say my weekend was way less eventful than yours i think uh stayed around here ate some crawfish like Hung out, got some got some work done, you know, like just the I, average I cut weekend. My, yeah, I cut my grass. It's the first time I've cut my grass in a few months, you know, like trying to get the yard better, trying to get, you know, I have like a corner lot, so I have like a big ass yard. It's a pain in the butt. Yeah, but, but like it's whatever. Spring, it's springtime, got to get that yard looking nice. Yeah, it's definitely springtime here. It's do like, you have a homeowners association? We do. I've never spoken to like. I just know I pay for it, and like I get yelled at if I leave my trash can visible too long or something, but. Yeah, they just yell. So they haven't nitpicked you about the lawn, even though it was winter. Because they didn't nitpick really me about the lawn. Say it again. You don't really have winter there, N- especially not this year. Like we just did not have winter this year. It was cold for like a day. Yeah. Like you know, sometimes it's really funny. Uh, December is here for the last like five or ten years. <clears throat> global warming have been uh pretty warm overall. January has been a little cold. It's been like the beginning of February mostly. It's been like actually cold here. And I say this with it actually snowing here a few years ago. Like, it literally snowed in Baton Rouge for the first time since I was, like, two. So I don't even remember it. And it was the first time that I ever played with snow. Because, like, I've just, I've, I've lived here, Dallas, and the desert in, in Nevada. Us, yeah. So, like, it just doesn't snow in these places very often. I have, like, a video of my dog running around it. She was going nuts. She's like, what is this? You know, like, <laughs> like freak it out and stuff. And, yeah, and, like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't get cold here. We don't actually have winter. Like, yeah, it snowed. I think the next week it was, like, 65. Yeah. You know, so like, you should be having to cut your grass all the time. That, yeah, H- well, that it, HOA it is getting lax. Where are the where are the persnickety and uppity and nosy old people that form the exactly, board of your right? HOA? Uh, I think they're taking it easy on people in the yards because this year, more than any year prior, we're having like a weed infestation, like uh, like you know the little little uh, I forgot what, dandelions or whatever, just everywhere, just like certain things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I knew you were going to go there because yeah. this is the second time you've had a. We won't talk about as much as last time, but uh, yeah, we're having a, a little bit of an infestation with everyone's yard. Like, I've already done uh, a full spray of the yard. I'm going to do it again sometime soon. Uh, probably the next couple of days. I should have done that today, honestly. I, was, I stayed. I worked from home today and got some stuff done. But but uh, yeah, overall, it should be it should be fine taking care of it. The main takeaway is that my weekend was a lot more fun than Tannen's. That's debatable, man. That's debatable. <laughs> so you did bring up the fact that you were surprised by the bands this week. I was too. 
And for people who may not know yet and what we're talking about, there were no bans this week. Not not in Pioneer, at least. Yeah. There, was a, there was a ban in a lot of other formats. but um, And they shook up some other formats. But I this is probably one of the first times I've been really surprised by no bans in this format. I for sure thought something was going. Yeah, it, it really felt to me like this announcement from last week and setting a ban for Monday was specifically to make changes to Pioneer. It was like, okay, we've seen what happened in the Players Tours. We've seen what happened in SCG Indianapolis. And now we have a good, you know, handle on what Pioneer is after Theros Beyond Death. And there's some unhealthy elements to it that we want to root out with a ban. And instead, we got every other format getting hit. And Pioneer was like, yeah, looks like it's okay. Yeah, like, if I could just try to impose on other people the the sureness that I had that something was going to happen. If it, cause I'm a betting man. If I would have put like odds and what format we're going to change, I think I would have said pioneer is almost an even money bet. And and then modern behind that. And I thought modern was pretty sure going to have a change as well. And it, and it did. And it's the card kind of people expected, you know, we had once upon a time finally make its way out of almost every format. Yeah. To sort of join Oko in the no longer legal and standard pioneer or modern. The, the, it, joined, it joined Oko in this, in cards from that set. They're like, we maybe should have not printed these. We're, we're, we're getting close to veil of summer, possibly getting the same treatment. File those under mistake. Yeah. There's been a few of them. I don't, I don't know if anyone follows me on social media, which I hope you all do at the Tannin grace. Uh, I, I posted something about one of the cards that I think should be banned this week. Not in, not in pioneer, but I just really hate Astrolabe, like, quite a bit, and think that card just should not exist, but, you know, whatever. It's 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 one of those ones, it's hard to see the problem that it generates on the surface, you know? So, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about, but, yeah, I was super surprised. Like, I thought for sure, dig through time, um, maybe one of the combo cards from Inverter... I- I thought get, dig or inverter. Right. I think th- those were like the, the the best bets, right? And then if they, a lot of people said if they ban dig through time, they're probably just going to go ahead and add treasure cruise because they don't want to like have that situation happen where like the Hogak thing happened where they, they ban one card and they're like, oh shit, we should have, you know, we, we should have just taken another card with it or whatever. Yeah. Which sure. is not the same because it was Hogak, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, but, you know, honestly, like, honestly, and I wrote my article about it this week. After I thought about it, I think it made a lot of sense. You know, I think so too. Yeah, and it, it does seem like the format has adapted pretty well to um, to inverter. I kind of I look at Demir Inverter a little bit like I look at uh, Is it Phoenix from Modern, where uh, you know Is it Phoenix when it first emerged? Thanks to yours truly. You're um, <laughs> um, I mean, thank you, but yeah. d- did so in a very specific metagame. You know, I was playing three gut shots in the early list, and it was because there were a lot of noble hierarchs around. Well, there was a lot of banned spirits, a lot of humans, a lot of infect. Sitting next to you for that tournament, by the way, and like, you know, I was like, man, I hope this deck's good. You know, because we all have that trepidation. We're like, we know it's like there's it does powerful things, but like it's modern. We're like, we hope it's good. You know, blah blah. blah. And your opponents just kept putting Noble Hierarchy to play on turn one. And I would just look at your hand and be like, all right, well, Ross is up one, nothing, you know? Yeah, I would go like turn one, Serum Vision, say play Noble. I'm like, okay, thing in the ice, gut shot your Noble, thing's on three. Next yeah. turn, like, transform my thing, return to Phoenix, attack you for 10. Yeah. <laughs> you have no board still. Um, yeah, and I'm like, I'm like over here, like, still trying to figure out my brainstorm on turn two. Like, yeah. and you're just like already winning. No, it was, uh, that was a fun tournament. And, you know, 
as a Phoenix for a while, while the metagame was learning to adapt to it, was doing really, really well. And there were tournaments yeah. where it was like Demir Inverter, like putting four people into the top eight. Uh, and, and, you know, there were calls for things to be banned. Eventually, Faithless Suiting was, though I would argue much more due to Hogak than Phoenix. I think by the time Modern Horizons was released, is it Phoenix was like not a great deck anymore. The yeah. metagame had, had adapted to it. And it wasn't that the metagame was really warped around it. It was just that, you know, some decks got worse and some decks got better and people had to figure out, you know, which were which. So we saw a lot, you know, basically the complete decline in Bant Spirits and, and a significant decline in humans. So humans stuck around a little bit. And we saw, you know, an increase in things like Dredge, uh, which were good against uh, Phoenix. We saw, you know, at different times Tron, if the Phoenix decks were unprepared for it, or Eldrazi Tron eventually. Yeah, Tannen's nodding his head because he beat up on a lot of people who didn't have enough ceremonies or rejections. My win record with Tron versus Phoenix was, was way too high. Like, I, <laughs> I must have run really good, but... It was it was way too high. That was a matchup that a lot of other is it Phoenix people thought was like at least in my opinion. I think they overrated that matchup, and I always respected it more than most. Uh, but that might have been because I was always around you and Jim, you know, who just kept playing Tron and talking about Tron, uh, yeah. and that were obviously like very good at Tron. So um, I, I think Demir Inverter was kind of in that space, and it was you know it, we needed some time to adapt, and we had a, what like three four weeks now at yeah. this point, and. Nope. Which is a long time considering the length of time this format has been yeah. alive, right? Yes. But th th that's another good point in that, like, you know, it's not immediately obvious what the right way to go in Pioneer is because we're still, like, really exploring the entire format. You know, we don't know. Like, I, nobody has an encyclopedic knowledge of everything available in Pioneer. And, like, over time, you start to learn certain things and, like, you can take a lesson from three years ago and apply it to now in Modern, right? You know, if you've been playing for that long, you nobody can do that in Pioneer. And if anything, that's going to make the process of adjusting to new powerful decks take longer. So I'm, I'm a little impressed at the ability to adapt to this deck really quickly. And I'm kind of happy that it gets to stick around because I think the metagame is in a good spot right now. You know, it's not like it was two months ago. It's pretty con condensed around a good top tier, but that top tier has shifted over the last few weeks, and I think it'll continue to do so. And we, we only, you know, run into a problem when that dyna dynamism slows down or stops, and we haven't reached that point. Yeah, and you know what? I, I've really got to agree with you. Like, I, w I was... Yeah, because I'm always right. Yeah, okay. You would be anyway. right more often if you just agreed with me without thinking. That, okay. I don't know if that's a... Well, I think that's true. I don't know if that's a function of you, more of a function of you always being right or me always being wrong. Well, you, you are married, so you're... I'm used you're, to it, yeah. Yeah, your percentage of being wrong just skyrockets as soon as the oh, lead yeah, goes on. Sure. Oh, that's that's just that's just a known fact, yeah. whatever. But I, I think shocked so might be the right word. Tune in next week for our new host, Natalie. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, I don't know if shocked is the right word. I think surprised is probably a better word that nothing happened. And I, I really like your analogy of comparing the stack to, to uh, is it Phoenix? Because... One of the things they wrote, I don't have the exact quote, but they wrote about it and like why they didn't ban anything from Inverter was that it actually had a 49% win percentage outside of the mirror. Over the last two weeks of Moto Leagues, and apparently that number had been, you know, trending downward since the players' yeah. tours. So it's yeah. probably a little over 50%, and now it's even under 49 for the last week or so. It, it, it led to a lot of really funny tweets and interactions between people of like, all right, which one of you bozos out there has been like oh fiving on purpose to keep this deck from getting <laughs> to keep this deck from getting banned? You know, like who who took one for the team kind of thing or whatever. But uh, I, you know, it's interesting, right? Like they they believe and they have they believe that it's not a problem, 
they, they gave reasons why and they have statistical analysis that's saying you know this this is not as much of a problem as people think and we'll get into this right you're we're gonna, we're gonna look at the top eight from the classic this weekend and you'll you'll see that there's not as much representation of De, uh, of demir and murder there as there has been in weeks and weeks and weeks prior to this i felt like every week we we're like oh these are the same two or three decks you know and you're seeing decks start to spring up and one that we talked about last week quite a bit has sprung up quite a bit and has done pretty well in this in this matchup too and we're gonna see a lot of stuff that that does pretty well there and it's pretty good there but i still expect this deck to be good and played a lot because i'll say this i don't care if it's got a 49 percent win rate you can't tell me pete ingram has a 49 percent win rate with this deck or Corey burkhart has a 49 percent win you know the people who've like won major tournaments with this deck like obviously they're just masters and they're going to be where the deck really shines and when you watch that right because like let's get real when you watch an scg open they're they're going to feature the top named players almost the entire time right like, especially when one of them's doing well. Like, when Pete was running away with it in that open, like, which he ran away with it in open, you got to see him on camera, I think, like, f- at least four times or something before the tournament's over. And so you're watching someone play the deck at, like, as close to perfect as, you know, anyone is at that point. So the deck looks just absurd, right? Because you're seeing it played by a top-tier player at a top-tier level, and you're, just, you're, you're seeing it perform so well that... You get this warped view of it almost. You know, you kind of get a, a ro- what is it, rose tinted glasses or whatever they call it. Yeah, you know? rose colored, rose tinted. Yeah, and like you get this romantic view of it just being better than it is, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like, you know, you might have made Phoenix look a little better than it is for longer than it was. You know, and you know, Brennan DeCandio makes black green decks look actually playable when they're not. <laughs> you know, and so you know stuff like that. So, I I gotta say kudos to wizards i think they're getting better overall at handling their formats because you know we are in kind of this band culture thing going on right now and i did say something earlier rough really last two years yeah and you know a lot of people are like oh suck it up you know find a way to beat it like look that does work for some stuff it doesn't work for other things like you know but oko is like it didn't work for them it didn't work for energy and standard I'm not going to get the tirade, but some of the responses I got about Astrolabe, I was like, you guys do not think about magic in the right way. And in the, in the way that this, they're like, yeah, just, just, just kill the Astrolabe. Like, that's not, no, no, like, that's not how that works. <laughs> like, interacting with Astrolabe is not a winning proposition <laughs> ever. Yeah, I don't think it, <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, but I don't like when stuff homogenizes in formats. That, that's another big thing for me. Anyway, so um, I got to say, overall, uh, you know, I've, uh, when I was like, "Hey, if something probably needs to go," the more I thought about it, I'm like, "I, I think, I think they did a job." Yeah, you know, I th- and, and it's it, we do kind of have to recalibrate after these last two years. We've gotten to the point where, like, every time a deck chose to be dominant, like we failed that test like four times in a row. And now every now, you know, since then, when a deck shows itself to be dominant briefly, we're just like, "Oh yeah," we're like, "It must be too good." And we've got to get back into that mode of, "Okay, like this is the best deck. Like, how do I beat it?" And then once we've tried for a couple weeks and we failed. Okay, now we can talk about banning it. But like, you really do like you got to try, and it's a lot more like magic is a lot better when we have that period. Even if we end up having to ban it, you know, the wacky stuff that people come up with during that time period is kind of nice, and you, at least the people who are playing the busted deck get some time with it. It's not like oh, I built it for one tournament, bought all the cards, and now they're useless. Like all of those are really, really, really good points, and like. Yeah, seeing that innovation and see people figure stuff out, that's actually kind of awesome, right? Like, you, you get to see people like Aspiring Spike make this mono green deck that we're going to talk about again on the show that, you know, is posting a very good record in that kind of matchup. It's probably one of the reasons why the record, the, the, the win percentage is trending downward from this deck, you know, that along with like some mono whites and some of these other decks that are just posting 
at least 50-50s against this deck and going toe-to-toe with it. And yeah, I just think it's great that we don't have to ban this because like it's almost like we've had PTSD. Like, you know, you said, you know, we've we failed this test the last couple times, but and for good reason. These cards were too good. You know, Oko was too much. Like that was just too much. And so people kind of have a shorter temper on it, right? Like they kind of have a, a quicker fuse, you know. They want they they want it just out of their format. You know, they don't want to have to deal with it. You know, they don't want to have to go buy four copies of the $70 card and then worry about it getting getting banned, but they're like, I can't win otherwise, because you you have to play with it or lose. But if we understand that we're going to have, you know, three weeks, a month, five weeks, then it's a lot easier to bite the bullet and be like, okay, at least I'm going to get a solid couple tournaments out of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or at least I'm going to have some time to like brew up some cool decks and figure out how to attack this somewhat unique metagame. You know, even during like Eldrazi Winter, people were doing some cool stuff. Like I saw a lot more Bogles because that was a deck that could beat Eldrazi. Now the gameplay there was still bad. And obviously like, you know, Ivogun was completely uh, not okay. Um, but it, it was, it's still a fun puzzle for at least w- for one weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and as it turned out, like, it, right, we passed the test. We have a, a pretty healthy metagame at this point. Uh, and if you look at the top eight of the challenge, it's definitely suggestive of that with, you know, six di- or six different archetypes in the top eight. Um, you know. Only, Very diverse, for sure. Yeah, we've only got one inverter here in sixth place from Falcon. Pretty stock inverter list, you know, nothing crazy going on. We see an increase in Heroes Downfalls. That's been pretty common. You know, ev- something I've been asking for for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, all the like, you know, all the inverter decks are pretty frequently now playing Narset's main. They're all playing four Jace, Wielder of Mysteries main. So their downfalls have been important in the mirror. They've also been really important against Mono White Devotion to deal with Gideon of the Trials and Gideon Ally of Zendikar. So, you know, Heroes Downfall has just become a, a key piece of this deck's, uh, you know, removal suite. But, you know, nothing crazy here. The, the you know, there's the Ashiok Nightmare Weaver in the sideboard. That's not new, but it's like a little unique. You know, maybe this Lily Last Hope is kind of new to help against spirits. Um, and, and going back to some more languages there, but, you know, pretty stock Inverterless, but only one copy, you know, and, it, and it's sixth place. So it's not like, you know, uh, and if you... It's not a dominant performance by any means. And if you look further down the list, like I don't think there's a single other copy in... Oh, exactly 16th. Okay. We, we came so close. two in the top 16, that's that's pretty low for this deck. That's on the low end of what it's been doing. Also, I'm, I'm used to seeing like five yeah. in the top 16. And I think what we're seeing is, you know, that uh, I agree with you that this is still a very good deck. If you want to play it in, yeah. in Pioneer, you should do it. Um, I, I think it's a tier one deck and the way I've learned it to differentiate tier one from tier two, because I know these terms are pretty nebulous, uh, right. and, and they're often used in different ways by different people. Uh, but the way I tend to use them is tier one decks are decks are going to going to be successful over a long period in the metagame and over different metagame cycles. The issue with playing them is that you have to tune them appropriately. So, you know, just like with is at Phoenix based on the way people were attacking you, you had to tune your deck differently. With Demir Inverter, you have to do the same. And initially, when Inverter got really big, it was all about inbreeding yourself to deal with the mirror. Now they're kind of, they have to like you know pale back a little. I guess if we want to go from step one, it was building it to beat the low to the ground aggro decks that were really popular over the player store weekends. Then it was okay. Now we need to beat the mirror, and now we're seeing some decks that are actually successful in the matchup, but we haven't really seen the reaction to those decks from the Inverter pilots. So and if you know a true tier one deck should be able to react effectively to these matchups you know if, if your problem is a mono green devotion deck maybe you need some noxious grasp in your sideboard that you didn't haven't had for the last three months 
Yeah, as I was saying, because that deck was dead for the longest time, and now it was quite possibly the best deck in the format again. And, you know, I was thinking about that, like, you know, what do the inverter decks do? And I like this list a lot because it looks super clean. I, I'm not sure about the sideboard, but I like all these numbers. But I think it's time, you know, and I said this last week, it was time to have a conversation or two within the last two weeks. It's time to have a conversation about three heroes downfall. It might be time to have four. You see the, the fourth is in the sideboard. Yeah, I saw that. But I mean, I'm talking main because we're going to go through this top eight and it's good versus all these decks. It's all creature decks or creatures and planeswalkers. And yeah, maybe you don't want four, but I think three is definitely the number that you want to that you want to have at least because you're looking at the mono white decks that we're going to get into. You're looking at the mono green decks, a lot of planeswalkers, a lot of creatures in those decks. And then we're starting to see a deck kind of rise from the ashes a little bit. And, you know, people always play this. But if you look at the second place list, it's just blue white control again. And this has what? Uh, Ten <laughs> planeswalkers main. That That's a lot. Yeah, that's, right. That is a lot. So. No, I can see where you're coming from there, and that Azorius Controllist has two, three more Planeswalkers in the sideboard, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's just like, but the thing is, is like, not only that, but like, some of the Planeswalkers, it's got three Teferi Hero Dominator, that's the five mana one, and this, you know, this one doesn't kill itself, you know, it doesn't down tick a bunch and then lose value and have just a static, like, this is one that sticks around forever, and you're probably not winning if this card stays in play for a while, so, you know, a card that actually kills it. Yeah, I'm down for more, uh, you know, downfalls i think that the sideboard should have grasps right because that's yeah, gonna it, it does the, hit both yeah it doesn't hit narset so you still need a good number of downfalls for narset specifically or some other plane for that card but i think grat noxious grasp is in a great place uh certainly as good as it's been since probably january right um uh, so you know I, i'm that's the next step for these inverter people like we always have to remember like Anytime a deck does really well on a given weekend or really poorly on a given weekend, like that is a snapshot of of that weekend. You know, you can do different things the next weekend, and, and you know, you've got to see how uh, a deck adapts. You know, to the fact that it's now the you know have a tar- one having a target on the back, and then now tr- starting to you know decline as a result of that target. And tier one decks are the ones that can thrive even if they're targeted. Tier two decks are the kind of decks that once they're heavily targeted, they're not good choices and you just shouldn't be playing them. They don't have enough versatility or just don't have the tools to combat what other people are doing uh, or not powerful enough for whatever reason. And so those are decks that really just need a, a specific metagame uh, that is favorable for them to uh, to uh, flourish. Uh, and that's the way I think about it. So I would certainly still put Demir in that uh, tier one category. But you've got to expect that they're going to have some different stuff. And if you're playing one of these decks that supposedly beats up on Inverter, like you got to expect they're going to be bringing something new to the table this weekend. Hopefully, you know, you can figure out what that is and react to it. That's the best case scenario. Or, you know, you can add some wrinkles to your deck as well that they're maybe not going to be prepared for. Yeah, the thing that you just explained, I've always called that the like the dredge fallacy of like modern, you know, like dredge is always there. It doesn't always do well, but then when it doesn't do well for a little while, it goes and wins a tournament because people are like, oh, I don't need, you know, four rest in peace. I don't need four ley lines. Like, you know, I, I can skimp on my graveyard hate. And then someone's like, oh, yeah, this de- this deck's a deck, right? And it, just, and it seems like this happens multiple times a year in modern, right? Like, you'll see someone win a tournament and hoist a trophy with Dredge, and you're like, that was a really good choice for this weekend. Like, nobody was respecting the deck. Yeah, and we kind of have a deck like that in Pioneer in Lotus Breach, right? You know, that deck did really well at the Players Tour when people weren't prepared for it, quickly declined once they were, and now you don't see a lot of it. I think there's yeah. one in this top 16. 
you know, which is pretty normal. You see like one in the top 16 of an event. So are people going to start cutting their, uh, you know, damping spheres? It, it, it's, it, it's looking like it. I'm looking for them in a lot of the lists and I'm not seeing them besides, you know, the mono green deck that can get them game one, you know, out of their sideboard. And the kind of, uh, just piggyback on, uh, for a second on the other thing that you said about the, the inverter decks and changing and stuff. I do think most of the people that play this weekend are going to play pretty stock inverter list. They might change a card too. I'm interested to see what people like Pete Ingram bring. You know, is this deck going to be like eight cards different? You know, like I'm, I'm super interested to see if like he figures it out, if he changes something, you know, or if he's just like, eh, I say what's stock, you know, does the <laughs> Matthew Dilks like just brings a good deck, plays it really well. And, you know, the results follow kind of thing. The don't fuck it up strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one that one usually works. Uh, people have often ask, they're like, yeah, why'd you, why did you play Tron in, in Modern for that little time that you did? My, my normal answer is like, you know, I like winning. And, uh, you know, it was the best deck or one of the better decks for a while. But, like, that deck was really hard to mess up. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you understood the the basics of it, which, don't get me wrong, like, I, I did a couple uh, coaching sessions with that deck and getting people to mulligan was was difficult. There was like, yeah, this hand's fine. I'm like, yeah, but you could do much better. Like, you know, like, just teaching that. Once you got that skill, that, yeah. like, mulligan and the- then you're, like, sequencing on the first three turns. Yeah, just make sure you see the most cards possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it was that was the entire game, and then at that point, um, you just kind of point at things of Karn or Attack of Worm Coil, and it's yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Minus three or Ugin. Yeah, like whatever. <laughs> Cast your Great, six pick, plus mana card and win the game with it. Yeah, just pick random numbers, make random game actions. Your opponent's probably going to pick up their like four cards or whatever because you have infinite mana. But um, one of the decks that I'm interested to see in in how much it shows up this weekend in Baltimore is the first place deck from the challenge, and that's Spirits because. Here's the thing. This deck, it goes back and forth, right? Like it's it's it was not there for a while, then it was back, and then you played it in tournament where we thought it was like really well positioned, and then they kind of found out maybe it wasn't as well positioned, and then that it was like not good, and like now it's coming back and like when it, you know, you it, it can't figure out where it wants to be. But I think this is a good choice for online right now. I'm not so sure about Baltimore because I do think that. If I had to play the tournament this weekend, if I had to play Baltimore this weekend, I'm playing the Monogreen Karn deck, right? And that deck feels like it's ahead of or even with every deck in the format except for one, this deck, Spirits. And when I tell you that this matchup doesn't feel good, Ross, it feels pretty bad. And tempo deck versus ramp deck. Historically, it's the tempo deck that wins. And in this case, like the ramp deck doesn't have a lot of great tools out of the sideboard because it's so full of the of the wish plan. You know, I'm sure there's some like anti-flyer card you can put in your your green sideboards. There um, are, yeah. Uh, and but look, there's just no room for them. And they, you know, the spirits deck hasn't been popular enough to warrant uh, very specific hate like that. But uh, you know, so that's your bad matchup. And it's it's a question of whether or not you want to just sort of punt it away or, or not try that hard to turn it around, or you know, sacrifice elsewhere to maybe gain some percentage points here but this is a deck that is not you know it's not like something happened to you know reinvigorate it this list is pretty stock you know one brazen borrower a lot of them cut them for a little while like all they did was cut a spectral sailor for a borrower otherwise that's been this has been the stock main deck for a while nothing in this sideboard is particularly surprising outside of this tamio field researcher which is like you know it's a reasonable magic card in grindy matchups I've never seen that card do anything ever in the history of Magic. Oh, just so you know, we we almost uh, the the team I was testing with Hot Sauce Games and a couple other people for the Pro Tour in Dublin. Yeah, the one when um wait 
a double. And I was thinking of the world championships when BBD won. I think he had something with it, but I was like, yeah, obviously he's done something. I've literally never had that card do anything in a game that I've been involved we in. Built a, we built a Golgari Constrictor deck that basically double splashed for this card because it just obliterated the mirrors. Okay. Uh, like t- tapping down their biggest creatures and, and or just drawing a bunch of cards if the, the game was kind of close, but you're low on resources. Uh, the deck ended up not being consistent enough, but that was the deck that, that we had tested. Like, th- this card can run away with the game. It, it definitely can. So, you know, it, it's not like a completely out-of-place card here. You know, everything else is pretty typical. It looks like they have a third stroke instead of the fourth dispute. They've got some sealaways instead of the permeating masses. You know, a Dramocus command is like a little wonky, but nothing like out of the ordinary. Like, there's nothing There's nothing new about Bant Spirits. It is the deck that we've seen what is new is the decks around it. You know, the inv- the inverter decks aren't as concerned with beating aggro. You know, when I played the Bant Spirits, it was the week after it done well. People were prepared for it. I got Witch's Vengeance three or four rounds in a row. Yeah. In a row. Yeah, you're going to die. Yeah, it was frustrating, <laughs> to say the least. Like, you don't see Witch's Vengeance around right now. And like That's when someone means it. You know, yeah. like someone casts a sideboard card against you, and you're like, this person wants it. Like, they, they really want to beat my deck. Exactly. So, like, you know, that that was the height of people gunning for spirits, and now they aren't. Like, that really does help a deck out quite a bit. And it, even beyond that, people aren't really gunning for aggro decks right now. Look at the right. entire top 32 of this challenge. What do you not see? Mono black aggro. Yeah. It's no Which is super surprising to me. You you also don't see mono red aggro. There's a there's a mono red hollow one deck in thirty first. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say I, I you know, bef- moving on from spirits a little bit into what you're talking about. And while I do like spirits because I like that kind of deck, I like playing that kind of game. You know me, I'm, I I like a good tempo deck, especially with like blue creatures that are you know under cost that are weird costed and kind of mopey by themselves. But uh, you know, I've seen Todd Anderson streaming a lot with his version of mono red. Um, what's the red escalate spell? It's like collective, not collective, collective modality, defiance. Uh, yeah, collective defiance, and like that card's really sweet. But like, if people are starting to move away from Demir Inverter, like that card isn't as good. You know, it's still a decent card, but like that card straight up kills someone when they cast Inverter. You're like, okay, draw seven cards, like your dad. You know, like kind of thing. And you know, he's been his win percentage is nothing to laugh at with that deck. He's been crushing with that. But like people, other people haven't picked it up and done well with it. Um, you know, I, I think of a couple of people, like, I think Harlan Fury had a really good day one of Mono Black and got, like, you know, a little unlucky in day two, but, like, they had a, what I thought was a good build of it, like, Mogi's Marauder and stuff like that, and there was some cool stuff going on there, and honestly, like, it's got Mutavault, Fatal Push, and Thoughtseize in it, like, those are some of the best cards in the format, you know, but, like, maybe the format's adjusting too much, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think the key from this challenge, which does represent the way the medgame is moving, is the two decks that have multiple copies in the top eight which is Mono White Devotion in 5th and 8th and Mono Green Devotion in 7th and 3rd. Um, so, you know, these are the decks that have emerged to beat a Demir Inverter heavy metagame, and they're both very good at it because they're incredibly redundant, which makes them good against Thoughtseize. They have, you know, reasonable ways to stop the combo, uh, stop like a quick combo. You know, Mono White plays Rest in Peace and Gideon's Intervention. Uh, and Gideon and Gideon, and Gideon of the Trials. Mono green Karns for, you know, Tormod's Crypt to stop it early and then eventually to stop them uh, playing multiple combo pieces in the same turn, they have a Godfarer statue to wish for. So Karn is really the key there. Uh, so the, like both of these decks are pretty well established. And, and I've been harping on this for weeks when everyone is trying to, you know, 
So many people ask questions about how to approach inverter, and their biggest mistake is that they're focusing too much on stopping the combo itself, you know, sort of hate cards, so to speak, and they're not focusing enough on beating a Thoughtseize Fatal Push Planeswalker Dig Through Time deck. And yeah. if you can beat that part of the deck and have just enough, uh, you know, quote-unquote hate to not get cheesed out by the combo, that's when you're going to have a good matchup. And that's what both of these decks do. And they do it quite well. And I think everything else that has happened in this tournament is sort of a consequence of those two decks rising up. You know, Spirits, I think, is pretty good against both because neither is good at interacting with those creatures and the creatures get ahead of what the those decks are doing, barring, like, a strong ramp draw on the play. You know, look at this second place list, Azorius Control. If you want to stop here for a second, what, like, yeah. both Mono White and Mono Green are playing, like, you know, 20-something creatures. <laughs> and that, for Supreme Verdict, let's go. Well, I want to talk about this, too. Like, I actually like this because this list is a little different, right? You know, we don't even see four three-mana counterspells in this deck. Well, actually, they're playing Sinister Sabotage instead of Absorb, which is kind of a thing that has been found to be better in this format because of stuff like Dig Through Time. It's also just a way fewer aggro decks. If Mono Red and Mono Black aren't a thing, play Sapphire. Yeah. But you're looking at two Essence Scatter in this list as well. So, like, you're seeing these decks like Mono White, Mono Green, and even Inverter itself, like, casting three and four mana creatures. And when you have Essence Scatter, you're, like, very far ahead of that. Also, kind of like this Miser's Tails end in the deck. I think there's enough targets in the format for this just to be good as a counterspell. And then, not to mention just stifling win abilities. It, it's certainly really good against, you know, these heavy Planeswalker decks, right? Uh, which are pretty common. So, yeah, one is fine. Scatter is neat because the, the deck where you would think it would be bad is like Inverter, which plays very few creatures. But, you know, those games are going to go really long. And so eventually you'll find a target for it, and it'll probably be a pretty good one because it's one of the combo pieces. So, um, you know, it the, the only issue is going to be a matchup where it's completely dead. You know, it's bad in the mirror. So this is obviously an Azorius deck that is built for a, you know, Azorius light meta, but that's what we have right now. Um, so a, definitely a well-tuned control deck here. And Azorius has popped in and out all the time when it can be well-tuned. It's easier to tune it well when the metagame is a little bit more condensed, and that's what it is right now. It's not super wide open, um, but it, it's still healthy. There's a good uh, mix of decks, but enough where this kind of a, you know, well-tuned Azorius deck can succeed. And I think those uh, like cheaper counter spells are really important, so you're not falling behind. And uh, you know we've just managed to find a way to get more two mana counter spells in our deck instead of three mana counter spells. Yeah, and I really like that you know this deck has a couple of different things as well. Besides just that, you're looking at there's a search for Azkan to this deck, a card that I thought would be a heavily played card in this format and just has not been played. You're seeing that, and then even in the lands, you're looking at a little bit of different lands too. You're seeing the Gyreach Sanitarium kind of make its way back in, which you know because I was looking, I was like, man, four Narset is a lot. Right, and then I immediately went to the land section. I was like, "Oh, they have the guy reach sanitarium Narset lock, you know, going on." Narset's as well, also so. just good right now, you know. Yeah, Narset's just great it's right very now. Very really good against, against inverter. inverter and stuff. Yeah. So like, if that's where you want to start, and like, it's better when you have all these two mana counter spells because now you can go counter your play. Then I play my Narset, especially if you're on the play. Like, they need a one drop to get ahead of you, and basically, decks aren't playing one drops beyond mono green playing mana creatures. Yeah, because like if if mono black and mono red aren't represented, like you saw, like just being in this spot, like I really like the look of this black white. I mean black white, blue white deck here quite a bit, and it's not really surprising that it loses the spirits in the finals because like that matchup can be rough because they get to kind of dictate when things happen, and uh and uh what's it called? Not settle the wreckage, but supreme verdict's not just a hammer in that matchup. You know, uh, spell queller can still counterspell it. You know, they have a couple ways to kind of like 
they have some gotcha moments in the matchup and a lot of their stuff is like really cheap and has flash so it's it's hard for that matchup otherwise like if it's not a really you know a, a good spirits pile in the finals i think this deck probably runs, runs away with this tournament looking at this top eight yeah, no, the, the, this looks like a really good Azurius deck for what this metagame was. You know, it, it's hard for, and we're going to get into this a little bit later about where we think the metagame is going, but I do think we're in a place where a well-tuned Azorius control deck can succeed. So that's definitely something to watch out for. Um, and so really, like, these top two decks, first and second place in this tournament, were both kind of what I would call scissors decks. The rock yeah. of, the, of the format is, uh, and I don't mean they have a solar effect, but... The rock of the format is Demir Inverter. The paper is Mono White and Mono Green Devotion. And now the now we see the, the scissors complete the, the trifecta. And that's things like the Spirit Stack, Azorius Control, and even our fourth place list, which is another deck I think is really underrated uh, and has been for a little while, is the Orzov Auras deck. You know, Dryad Militant is great against uh, Inverter uh, and just a reasonable bear to put your, you know, not bear, but reasonable Savannah Lines. To put your enchantment. We call it a Todd. We always call it a two one for one Todd for some reason. Okay, um, and that, you know this deck hasn't really changed much. We saw for a little while a possible purifying light make its way into the main deck over Ephemia, with very little mono black aggro and a little bit of a decline in inverter. I think it kind of makes sense to go back to the flyer. The flyer should be a lot better against the devotion decks, uh, both as a target for your enchantment, so you can go over the top of any blockers, um, or, and uh, you know at generating some creatures on the ground. So they can't really race. So uh, I kind of like that, though. There, there's really, I have to be worried about the lack of Sultide Delirium here. That was the big surprising part, and I want to get to that uh, after this, uh, after we talk about this. But that that could change my view on that swap. But you know, other than that, that this is what we've seen out of the uh, Orzov deck, and this is not a deck you want to underrate. It clocks you, and it clocks you hard. Yeah, I think this deck's actually just pretty damn good. And we've been singing its praises for, I don't know, about a month now since it got, you know, debuted at one of, it was the, the Japanese uh, players tour. Yeah, it was kind of the hero who built it. Yeah, and I think this deck's great. I, I love the way they built it. I love that the Ephemia's back main and the Apostle Purifying Lights in the sideboard. We saw that be, you know, a more main deck thing when it, when you said it was like more, you know, common to actually run into black more or whatever. Um, I really like a lot of the cards that are in this deck. I think this deck's sweet. It's cheap monetarily if you want to put this deck together one thing that i do want to talk about is i do think this deck is good against a lot of the top tier decks but there's something that kind of interests me have you, you see that there's there's two tomics in this sideboard right yeah I, i've been thinking about this because the, the mono green deck's a little weak to this deck as well and the more i think about it tomic is actually pretty good against the mono green deck it actually shuts down a lot of their cards it shuts down nissa it shuts, it shuts down Voyaging Seder, and you can't target the land, so you can't Wolf... What is it? Wolf Hill, Hollow Haven? Wolf Willow Haven. Yeah, Wolf Willow Haven. It's a mouthful to say that card. So, like, you're looking at 10 to 11 cards of the deck that just don't function when this card's in play, and it's not like they're going to kill it. What's Mono Green going to do to kill this 2-3? Nothing. Like, oh, they may have, like, you know, the, the Hydra or whatever, but, like, you probably have some other creature with a bunch of stuff on it, or you can you can make your you can make your creature big enough or you could have a, uh, what is it, Alcide of Life's Bounty in play. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to make sure this creature doesn't die. And we've seen this where you have, like, an aggro deck, right? And it's playing against, you know, a mid-range or a big mana strategy. If you can disrupt them at all, even for a turn or two from what they're supposed to be doing, you don't let them curve out, that is a winning strategy in that matchup every time. 
yeah, especially with this deck's clock, uh, you know, the ability to attack through blockers when it has some flyers in the deck and Tomic doesn't give you another flyer. Um, I, I could definitely see see this deck succeeding as another sort of scissors archetype. And now we're, we're in a metagame where people aren't preparing as much for aggro decks. You're not going to see as much cheap removal out of people's sideboards. So they're not going to get as much percentage in games two and three. Uh, that certainly helps a deck like this, sort of being the only aggro deck out there. Uh, and it's definitely one that can still play long games. I, I like this deck quite a bit. I think basically every deck in this top eight is a deck that I think if you were to take this weekend is perfectly reasonable. Um, I I, I kind of want to talk just a little bit about Mono Green just to make sure that everybody knows that we this is a deck that uh, is an aspiring spike uh, creation. And we had him on the show last week, if you missed last week's episode. So if you really like this deck and you want to know more about it, we talked at length with the creator about the deck. Uh, you know, we see, I think, in the 12th place list, one of the... Is it the 12th place list? Maybe no. 11th is Mono Green 11th. as well. In the 11th place list, yeah. One of the um, additions that he, uh, he made and talked about it on, the, on last week's show was this one copy of Aligned Hedron Network in the sideboard. And this was actually for the Orzhov Auras deck. It's a very, you know, just way to clear up their big creatures uh, without running into their protection spells. Uh, and can still just do good things, you know, can exile Uro uh, in any matchup where, that, where that's important. And, uh, and, you know, what have you, probably pretty good in the mirror if they get ahead with bigger creatures. Um, so we see some people, you know, adopting that. I'm sure he's still streaming with it. So, uh, you know, this is now... A, a real contender in the metagame. And I would say, like, as for right now, I would have Demir Inverter, the two Devotion decks, and Soul Tide Delirium as my top targets. Uh, but, I, and I've I've got to say, I'm shocked not to see any copies because I'm pretty sure it's zero. Let me just do a quick control F. Oh, yeah. Uh, I should do that. Okay, so we got a, we have a Bant deck that was playing Uro. We have a Simic Ramp deck playing Uro. And, okay, here's one Sultai deck, and they are in 22nd place. Right? Pretty stock Sultai Delirium. Um, what was their record? They were an X3. So, one, like, no one did X2 or better in this challenge, seven-round event, with Sultai Delirium. And I've got to think it was one of the more popular decks, though there's one factor at play here. This deck is very expensive. It's the most expensive deck in the format. Yeah, that is a thing. It's so a lot of people who play in these challenges use a renting a rental service as well. Like, you know, they might not own their deck. And I think you have to have like the most expensive rent because like, you can get different layers, right? You can be yeah, like, you, you've you know, got a cheaper credit Yeah, if I only want to do like standard, the decks are cheaper. Like, I'm not going to pay the same as if I want to like play like legacy decks, right? Or whatever. And this deck is, I think, like 800 tickets or something. You know, every it has some of the most expensive cards in all of Magic on Magic Online. Like, Uro is one of the more expensive cards, period, on Magic Online, you know? Um, I do want to talk a little tiny bit about the Mono Green deck, a tiny bit. Uh, go back to the 11th place list. This one's actually a little different. There are no Burning Tree Emissaries in this deck, and there's three Walking Ballistas main, and they just play, like, an extra Voyaging Stater to have an extra two drop. And that's interesting, right? Because we're, we're starting to see that people... Yeah, I think this deck's really good, right? But is it in its final form? You know, we, d we don't know that yet. Like, it could change. Like, do you want actual sideboard cards? Like, because right now, with this deck, this is the coolest thing. You know, we joked about it last week. You could put out your, your sideboard guide and charge people money, and then it'd be like, just no changes in any deck. Because right now, the, the deck doesn't need to actually sideboard ever. 
you're you have you have wish packages for everything and that's it and you know can we get that down to 12 cards and play three cards in the sideboard you know like is, is that important you know like you said the spirits matchup's really bad do you want to add something to it and like really try to sure up that matchup or is it something that it's not going to do enough you know when we do that so that's an interesting thing to think about you know because you could change this this deck up you know yeah you you definitely can uh certainly you know this is the newcomer right mono white devotion is a deck that people have been talking about for a little while did well at the last open like it was one of the decks that top eighted alongside uh demir inverter in indianapolis so we we kind of knew that deck was real and it is you know definitively proven that it's real this is the newcomer for this weekend this is kind of your wild card it's you know, your your narrative is like, you know, how does Demir Adverter react to the changes in the metagame? Is the green devotion deck real? And, you know, what are what is the next deck that takes advantage of the re- return of Nykthos, right? That's what's going on in Baltimore this weekend. And definitely, like, you know, finding the absolute best list of this mono green devotion deck is a really good way to do well this weekend. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, you know, we're gonna talk about our predictions for Baltimore, and I think I've already said on the show. If I were playing this weekend, I'd be, I would be playing this deck. It, it, it speaks to me on a lot of levels. Um, I own the Japanese alternate cards, so like, I if I ever have an excuse to play that card, I'm going to. Um, I, I think it just has a good plan in every matchup, but one, and that's that's a recipe on how you win a tournament. By the way, if you have a deck that is good enough against a large portion of the field, and then has one matchup that you're not sure of, just dodge it. Just either lose that matchup or don't play against it. It's it's that simple. I'm in. Yeah. Um, now taking a look at the, the mono white deck like you were talking about, you know, this is pretty stock, right? You know, we haven't seen many different stuff. I do want to say that it's kind of cool that they're starting to all play a, a, a deicide in the sideboard. And it, it's gotta be for the mirror, right? Oh yeah. You know, you're seeing these, you know, decks have what is it, four Heliod in every matchup, and just getting to snipe a Heliod and get all of them is really sweet. Yeah, you can yeah, that's that's the ideal, but like you also get to target uh, Daxos if that ends up being an issue, or Stasis Snare, Gideon's Intervention. Yeah, because it does say, okay, for, for people who don't know, uh, Deicide, it does say Exile, Target, Enchantment. Like, that, that's just a thing. It's just two mana, Exile, and Enchantment, and it's a speed. If it's a god, you get to extraction them for it. So it's it's not it's not like it only hits a god. And there are, you know, other things. Like, if you hit, uh, a, you know, a removal spell in the right spot, like a, like a Stasis Snare in the right spot, you can get a pretty big blowout going in, in in the game and stuff too. So yeah, no, that's definitely a, a a concession to the mirror, and it's a sign that this is a deck that's starting to get people's respect because they're starting to have it on their radar. They're starting to make adjustments to their deck to be better in that matchup because they're running into it often enough in leagues and challenges uh, and so forth. So you know, mono white devotion is just a tier one strategy. And you know what? I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen in this deck. That we've like just never seen in the list, and maybe it's because the Azorius deck hasn't been around as much. And if it starts to come back, I'm sorry we haven't seen Avacyn in this deck. I built a mono white devotion deck with this combo, you know, like during preview season. Now mine played Archangel of Ties because there was a ton of aggro decks around, and I wanted to be like a heavy anti aggro deck. But I also played Archangel Avacyn. Uh, so I, I think I tried to do like an angel thing. Uh, but I don't, I'm also surprised. I think Avacyn seems like really powerful. That said, it's just not powerful in this metagame, right? right? There's just not a lot. Like, I guess if you're trying to beat up on green devotion, then Avacyn seems great. You know, clear up all their mana creatures, all their emissaries, all their Jade Light Rangers. 
They don't really have interaction for it. Avacyn's then going to just attack their Planeswalkers down pretty easily. It also clears away all the lands that Nissa animated. Okay, I think Avacyn seems insane against Mono Green. So that's what people should be doing. <laughs> well, there it is, folks. We we broke it. Show over. See y'all later. Uh, I mean, if you want to beat Mono Green with your Mono White deck, put some Avacyn's in your deck and just Avacyn Ballista them. It's probably a better combo than Heliod Ballista in the matchup. <laughs> Unless you get to just kill them, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killing them is better than stopping them for what they're doing, but no, that does actually sound pretty it good. It costs four less mana. Uh, one more thing I wanted to go over, the ninth place list, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that there was another different deck in ninth place. And this is the deck that, like, every format has that deck. It's not tier one, right? But when it comes up, you're like, maybe a tiny bit surprised, but not really and you mentioned Scissors earlier, and it's just the Scissors deck, right? This is the Shrapnel Blast, Ghostfire Blade, Skilled Animator, Insult Artifact, like, is it in Soul deck, right? Yeah. And this deck is still pretty good, right? It's still got, like, a bunch of really cheap, quick, efficient threats, and then enough disruption. You're looking at a couple counter spells and a few removal spells main, and then some very, very, very efficient burn spells. And Shrapnel Blast, and I've seen some people do pretty well with this deck online, as yeah. well. I know uh, Liz Lynn tweeted actually earlier today, uh, tweeted her list and said, this is what I'm playing in Baltimore this weekend. You know, Monday before the tournament. Her list is a little bit different from this one. It play, actually plays um, Steel Overseer and Ornithopter uh, as part Ooh. of the aggro package. Um, you know, I haven't touched this deck in quite a while, so I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, one is definitively better than the other. But this is another deck that benefits from the spotlight being off of aggressive strategies. Because if you don't have the cheap removal spell for the insult creature, you're dead. The game is over. You know, when I was playing this deck, I would insult aggressively and just say, okay, I got my one hit in. That's enough. I can win after that. If I get a second hit in, the game is over. You know, between yeah. Shrapnel Blast and all the other things, like you find the extra 10 damage. The, the one thing I am worried about with this deck is if the Mono Green deck does become popular... Having to play against Karn could be rough in some spots, but I think you can kind of set up a, a turns ahead that you know, like, hey, that's going to happen. What's getting shut that... down by Karn in this deck? I guess if you if you play Steel Overseer, sure, but yeah. it's just like, oh, you your Ginger Brutes can't get unblockable. Yeah, this is it's not it's not bad, but it does it's not something that is irrelevant. Yeah, you know, like you, you know, just... it's a thing, but like that deck also just has very few ways to interact with Soul Artifact and Skilled Animator. So. Yeah, I, I still think it's probably a good matchup for you, just because you're going to kill them very quickly. And you, this is a deck that actually another good thing about the Mono Green deck is there's not a lot of ways to kill an elf, right? And the Mono Green deck just has a bunch of elves. There's like Fatal Push, and that's it. But this deck runs a lot of shocks, right? The, you're looking well, at this list only has one. You can play more oh, if you want one. them. I was say I thought this one had a lot more. I'm sorry. No, they, they, they've moved away from it too because it's just not that important right now with such little mono red and mono black. So it's a you know is mono green going to be enough to have people play more cheap removal? Because I don't think in Soul or Orzov auras like Saram auras are going to be super popular. I think they are reasonable choices, and you can especially if you like playing aggressive strategies. Those are the two that I would recommend beyond and and spirits to some degree. Uh, so like those three. Um, but if you really like playing sort of synergistic aggressive strategies, I think these two are, are a little bit more fun. Uh, but the, there's just not, you know, uh, like I, I noted my tier one is Demir Adverter, Mono White Devotion, Mono Green Devotion, and Soul Titelirium. And Wild Slash and Fatal Push are only really good against one of those decks. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I can't really argue with you either about, like, you know, what you have at, at Tier 1. Maybe Soul Tide is not, but then we're going to see a lot of good players 
move towards that deck this weekend because it's something they like. You know, we see we've seen a lot of the better players in SCD Tour play that deck. So they're going to inflate its results, too. You know, they're some of the better players, they're going to have good plans, they're going to do very well at it. And you kind of alluded to this while we were talking about all the decks, and I just wanted to kind of say it. Um, this format's kind of great right now, right? Like, look at all the different decks that are like, you're like, dude, all these are good. Yeah, you know, everyone was chicken littling after the players tour, like, you know, Breach and Inverter are way too good. Now Breach is like a fringe strategy, I don't know, like, it, it's kind of a sneaky dark horse if, like, there are very few damping spheres, but I'm not even sure if that's the case. Um, Then you've got, you know, this four-deck tier one that includes a combo control deck, a mid-range deck, a, you know, sort of ramp deck, and a creature combo deck. So very diverse tier one. And I, I'm honestly, like, I would not be surprised if any of... Bant Spirits, Azorius Control, Sram Auras, or in Soul, uh, win the tournament. I think they're all reasonable. They're tier two options. I think they're all reasonably well positioned, so they're better than they otherwise would be. That doesn't mean I think they're better than any of the decks in tier one. Um, but uh, look, I would not be surprised to see any of them in top eight or even win the tournament. So, and, and that tier two gives you some more aggressive strategies. It gives you a straight control strategy. So, no matter what you want to do, I think there's a deck that has a reasonable chance of winning the tournament that you can play. Now, you know, wh whether some of these decks fall by the wayside this weekend or, you know, the Devotion decks really dominate this weekend remains to be seen. But going in, the metagame looks rather healthy and certainly much healthier than it was two weeks ago. No, I, you know what? I got to say, this, this, we might be entering into what's possibly like a golden age of Pioneer where, like, if, if everything stays the way it is, if you just have this many decks that are viable and like your your decisions matter every week, like what exact removal spells am I going to play this week? What exact sideboard cards am I going to play? Like we might be entering a spot where it's really good. You know, like the format's really great. You know, we, we're not going to have a ton of bans. I don't, I don't see anything getting banned anytime soon unless Inverter randomly picks back up and starts crushing again. Which we'll could, you know, if they find the right tools to, you know, beat up on the Devotion decks and it's like, okay, like this deck is just always going to, Ever, like for two weeks out of every month, it's going to be too good, you know, in perpetuity. Then, yeah, that that might be worthy of being banned. But once they, like, they're going to have to prove it again. Yeah, exactly. And all right, so we've kind of talked about what we you know expect in Baltimore this weekend. Decks that we think are good. Um, I would play Mono Green. What, what, what's your if you had to choose right now? What are you playing? M Mono Green is my front runner right now. I think that deck is very good. It's very much my style. Um, you know, I, I don't like ramp decks that are all, like, whose curve really lacks in the middle. I've yeah. really liked ramp decks that have really powerful threats at, like, four and five mana that they can ramp into that are still relevant when you have lots of mana. You know, the Mono Green Devotion was like that in Standard you had, with things like Pelucranos, Whisperwood Elemental. And then you still had a few things that went really big. I think that deck is really, this deck is, you know, runs very similarly with all the Planeswalkers. Curve really tops out at Nyssa, but if you need to sink mana into a Voracious Hydra, you can do that. Uh, so you have some, like, go way over the top threats. So uh, this is definitely uh, definitely my style. I'll have to really uh, think about the sideboard, because I'm definitely in the camp that I'm I'm not sold that, you know, 15 one-ofs is the way to go. I kind of want to have some actual sideboarding going on. Uh, if for whatever, if for one reason, just to keep my opponents honest... Like, okay, like he, what might, you know, Ross be bringing in? Does he have disenchant effects? Does he have, you know, removal for my flying creatures? Does he have, 
you know, whatever. Like, uh, I could play... Is Mold Shambler in, in Pioneer? What set is that card from? I sure. don't think it is. I think yeah, it's from it's a little before. I, I actually think this card... Is this card from... No, it's from Zendikar. Yeah, Kicker yeah, is from Zendikar. Zendikar. I don't know. Some, like, destroy target non-creature permanent effect. I'm sure there's one to, like, blow up Planeswalkers. You know, am I going to have things like this? Uh, I want I want them to have to think about that. I want to play um, Meteor Golem. It costs yeah. seven mana, but I sure. mean, like, and, yeah. And it, an interesting thing for me, like one thing that I'd be, I would be into trying out if I had time and was going to play this weekend. I would be playing, um, you know, this this deck. I'd be trying out Genesis Hydra or a Voracious Hydra and seeing, it, is that something I want to do? Yeah, you know, Hi- you Genesis know, Hydra. We're going to play. Yeah, if we're going to be playing a lot of these decks like that are board centric or against like blue white control where you just want you know you want more value and like racist hydra is not going to like what are you going to do make a, a make a 10 10 hydra on turn five yeah that's great they're just going to kill it like they're gonna supreme verdict it like whatever gonna fatal but, push it. yeah they're gonna fatal like lol fatal push it yeah like but if you get genesis hydra and like it makes just so you know the card that genesis hydra gets that card's uncounterable so if you're looking yeah, for like a specific planes what's yeah it just enters the battlefield yeah so if they if you know, a specific planeswalker kills them or puts them in a situation where they're going to have a hard time. Like you can make sure it gets around that while also putting a big threat into play. So now they have multiple things for you to deal with and stuff. So super interesting. Like if anybody innovates on this deck and changes it up, because like I said, this deck doesn't have its final form yet. And it's, but what we're seeing of it is very good and impressive. So I think that's something that you need to look, I'm looking forward to the most this weekend is seeing where Demir Inverter goes and where this deck goes. Those are the two things that I'm going to be looking for the most. But let's talk about the most important thing for this weekend, Ross. Where are people eating in Baltimore? And I'll I'll give like one or two things right now because Ross is obviously a little, a little more versed in the Baltimore. I've been stuff. playing tournaments in Baltimore since 2012. Yeah. We'll say one of the things I definitely recommend to anybody there, especially if you don't want to go uh, to a bunch of restaurants this weekend, it's understandable. Insomnia cookies is a thing that we've brought up on this show quite a bit, and it is a thing in Baltimore. It's like ordering a pizza. You can order cookies online and get milk, the cookies themselves, and everything delivered to your hotel room. You can get ice cream. You can get ice cream. I was about to say stuff that a lot of stuff Tannen can't have, so I don't think about it. So, yeah, no, that's a that's a great late night thing. Um yeah, it's a good late night thing for sure. Yeah, the the one place I've I've been to a lot because it's just so convenient is Pratt Street Ale House, which is just across the street from the convention center. Uh, it is reasonable, uh, and but it's not like awesome. You know, if you want a convenient place that's going to be good, that's where I would recommend. Fine. Yeah, um, but the places that I really like, uh, Mywand Kebab. If you want some, uh, you know, Afghani food, get some falafel, get some, you know, kebab. Uh, and stuff. I've really enjoyed all my meals there. Uh, if you want to walk a little bit past um, the inner harbor, like to the other side of the harbor, really, is Little Italy in Baltimore. So yeah, is that the like- area that we went with, like, Jim and his, yeah. and his girlfriend? Yeah, that that place, the place we went, I thought was not very good, but the bakery that we went was that absurd. Vaccaro's, I've got it highlighted yeah. here on Google Maps. So Vaccaro's Italian Bakery, uh, also great, but, you know, you can definitely find some Italian food in Little Italy if that's your thing. There's also a fun area to the south of the harbor. Um, God, I can't remember what the name of like the neighborhood is. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah, I couldn't remember what the the little you know I was going to say Italy town. You know, because like you have like Chinatown and a lot of places and stuff like that. Um, it 
it's really funny. I had actually texted my wife right before we were doing the show. I was like, I'm really craving pasta. Like, so I, I definitely might get some pasta or something tonight. Might make some myself or whatever. But Fe- Federal Hill, that's the name of this area. So if you want to head down to Federal Hill, there's a ton of different options. Um, you know, you can just sort of search by what you want. Baltimore's a pretty big city. You know, no, almost no matter what you want, you'll get some get some reasonable food. Uh, for mid-tournament, there's a both a Jimmy John's and a Chipotle right next to the site. So those are easy to get for lunch uh, and fast. So I appreciate. I always appreciate that. Chipotle is super easy to do when you're vegetarian. Yeah, I must say, lots of stuff that you can walk to. Like, th- there's almost everything we've mentioned is walkable. Besides Little Italy, I mean, you could oh, technically. Little, that's like a that's like a ten minute walk. It's really. Not I'm saying bad. you you could you could, but like a lot of people aren't going to want to do that. The only reason you didn't want to walk is because it was cold out. Yeah, it was it's not going to be that, freezing. It's not going to be that cold this weekend. Yeah, I will say this weekend's fine. Yeah, of course, but yes. I mean, I don't know what the weather's like up there. I mean, it's it's like 72 outside right now and beautiful. It's like 60s in it's 60s all this week in Roanoke, and I don't think Baltimore's going to be that different. Yeah, it's going to be 71 on Friday in Baltimore. Uh, let's say you run off the bay, so if it's cold, it's always colder. But yeah, it's yeah, fine. you get you get some of that breeze. But um, there's also I always liked the um, the Irish place that was right on. Oh the, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Tiernanog was its name. Yeah. It's, it's right on the harbor. Is that where we had the uh, the Impossible Burger? Yeah, I think so. The Impossible Burger was really good there. I've had like the Shepherd's Pie there. It was really good. I mean, there was a night where I went there with Jonathan Job, Todd Anderson, and Callie, his wife. Yeah, the Andersons and really liked Tiernanog. I think we ran up a $300 tab between the two of us. <laughs> nice. I do not remember that night. Nice. Other than those things. But a lot of food options. You could walk to a lot of it, which is really nice. Um, if you're flying into Baltimore, there's a train. That brings you directly to the site. This is Baltimore is one of my favorite stops, by the way. It's super oh, yeah. easy to get to for me. It's like one of the only direct flights and cheap flights that I can find from New Orleans, you know, Louisiana. Uh, the food's not bad. Uh, you can, just, you know, I never had to get. I've definitely had flights where I, I mean, t- times where I've gone there, I've flown there, and I've never gotten in a car. Right, like I took the, I took the train to the, the spot we were at, stayed at our place, walked to the hotel, played the tournament, took the train back to the to the airport, and flew home. So super easy. Um, one unfortunate thing is that you're kind of in that time of year. There's no sporting event because there's two major sports teams and both stadiums are right there. You can walk to Camden Yards and I don't know the name of the football stadium. Sorry, Ravens fans. But, you know, the AT&T Ravens are right there. Bank too. Stadium. So, M&T, M&T Bank Stadium. I, I wouldn't. AT&T. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Sorry. <laughs> I'm wouldn't. pretty. I'm pretty. Yeah. M&T Bank Stadium. Yeah, and so you have both of those things usually within walking distance. Like, I know a lot of people who didn't day two at the last one that I went to that just went to the Ravens game. You know, they're actually pretty good and stuff now, too. So a lot of, a lot of fun stuff to do in that city as well. So this is definitely one of the better stops on the SAG tour, for uh, sure. If you're a vegan, there's a little vegan cafe with a bookstore in the basement called Red Emma's. It's a bit, of, it's a ways away from the site. They actually moved. They're about a mile and a half from the site. Uh, but that would be a short Uber. Uh, I have eaten there and purchased books there. Oh, okay. I will say, I, I think I remember I met you at the bookstore, right? One one time. Probably. It was like snowing. Yeah, it was like really crazy going on in Baltimore. It's, so. it, it's actually right near the Penn Station. So when I take the train, I just get off and, you know, take the short walk to Red Emma's uh, and get some lunch and maybe get a book and then I'll head to the hotel or whatever. I'm. You know what? I'm, I don't usually have that like... Uh, FOMO too much right now from tournaments, but I'm kind of having it this weekend. Like I think the deck that I want to play is really good. All this food sounds great. The hangs I've, sound great. I've heard that flights are real cheap, Tannen. Yeah, I'm sure there's nobody on those damn points. Real either. cheap. So I'm, I'm telling you right now, if I 
my wife would kill me. Like, <laughs> like, you got a busy weekend? Like, no, no busy weekend. Dude, we're getting we're getting ready. We might be getting locked down soon. Like, uh, I know Texas is having some problems and they're they're starting to quarantine people. Uh, you know, we, we've been hearing some rumblings. Our, our company, the company I work for, is telling people not to travel for work right now and stuff like that. So Damn. we'll see. So uh, there's some people that were worried about Baltimore not happening this weekend oh, yeah. for y'all. No, I'm 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 I, Baltimore. I'm pretty sure is going to happen. You know, at this point, it'd be pretty late in the game. But I would not be surprised if Syracuse doesn't happen. I, I would not be surprised either. It's really hard to get there. So everybody's going to be crammed in all the ways to get there. Um, it's you know, it's kind of secluded and stuff like that as well. I think it just depends on like um, what. Um, you know, it, it sort of depends on um where the virus spreads most right like you know right now it's it started more on the west coast especially in washington state uh and now it's gotten into some of the major cities so like where it sort of goes you know spreads the most is probably going to be a big factor but it's kind of crazy for us to have to talk about this right like you know get this i mean crazy but like who would have thought this is what we'd be talking about on on the podcast it's like do you think this event's going to happen you know with, with with as much as everything's going on um it's kind of scary right like you know we've never kind of dealt with something like this and just be careful everybody's listening to this if you're traveling or whatever this weekend take extra precautions you know some stuff might be slower than normal like just just be careful if i see you in the convention center bathroom and you're not washing your hands i'm just yelling at people yeah i already also, wanted to do that that was before the coronavirus outbreak i i was getting sick of this because i you know I'll use the bathroom and I just walk out. No, I'm at the sink, wash my hands, and I just hear three people walk behind me. Um, I know they didn't go to any sink. You know, I'm just yelling at you this weekend. Yeah, like I'm gonna shake you very, very loudly. Yeah, wash your hands, and I'm of the 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 post game handshake. You know me; I'm pretty big about the post game handshake. I always offer it, no matter what. Wouldn't be offering it this weekend. Wouldn't wouldn't be offering it for a while. Yeah, the Ross is showing me the elbow. Uh, there's post people game, doing game elbows. So people are doing the, the, the burrow, you know, the, the yeah, fist pound, fist but that's, yeah, just don't touch your face. You know, don't open palm people. Just, just be careful, man. Like, let's just do our part. It's not, it's not asking too much. It's, it's hilarious that this is what it takes to really put washing your hands to the forefront of, of, of America's thoughts, but it know. is what it is. Cause I, I gotta admit, you know, I'm, I, I do it in the bathroom, but I'm pretty, I, I can be forgetful sometimes when I'm doing stuff, you know, if like, like right before I'm cooking or something, you know, like wash my hands, you know, you just get busy and stuff and like, you know, you're a little more self-conscious and stuff of it now. So make sure that you have that, you know, Hey, bring some hand sanitizer with you, offer it to people, you know, just give them a little, give them a little, if squirt. you can find some, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like sold out everywhere. We're my wife, Ross, I'm sure you see me look down a lot during this. My wife is blowing my phone up right now because she's she's ordering a bunch of stuff online right now. Like, you know, all this stuff. She's like, just in case, just in case. I'm like, just get whatever you want, babe. Whatever makes survival you supplies. Yeah, because like we need a backup generator, uh, two cases of bottled water. That's <laughs> the thing. That, okay, so like the things that people are buying kind of like a hundred Twinkies. <laughs> the thing, okay, I actually had my first Twinkie the other day. Anyway, um, the things that is selling out right now, it's kind of funny to me. Like, a, the, the thing that I've seen most sold out is toilet paper. People are really concerned of wiping their ass during <laughs> during this time, but that's funny. And then bottled water, and, like, I get it. I get it. But, like, do you think they're just going to turn this tap service off? Like, it's not transmitted through water, apparently, and, like, you you have access to it. Like, my, my fridge generates filtered water, you know? And, like, I understand some people don't have that, but, like, there's people... It's, this isn't a hurricane, you know? Like, <laughs> it's not like you're going to lose power. Like, we're going to... Like, I'm going to be working from home. 
Like, I, yeah. I'm going to have internet. I'm going to play a lot of Overwatch. I'm going to play a lot of Magical Online, you know, if, if it happens. Need, if you need to self-quarantine, you need, like, non-perishable food. Yeah, so we're, we're getting, we're getting like, rice and beans and stuff, you know? Like, yeah, or maybe not dry rice, you know I mean? Yeah, like, stuff that we can just cook, you know? Like, we got... I mean, if the power thing is something you're worried about, I have a gas stove anyway, but, like, I'm not, I'm not worried about, like, post-apocalyptic kind of shit going on, you know, like, anything like that. It's just, it's going to be an inconvenience. For living through as many hurricanes as I have, I think this is actually, besides the fact that, you know, it's kind of scary, this will be easier to go through if the quarantine is like, whatever, man, I got the internet, I got some books, I'll be all right. You know, I got my <laughs> dog, like, we'll just chill, you know, um... I can still I can still get on the internet when when the hurricanes come through because you know we we get them pretty often. Like you're like, well, we're grilling again today, and uh, I guess we're gonna sit outside because it's so hot in the house, you know, and, and it's the only way we can get we can get light, you know. Yeah. No, I I remember once having a pretty bad nor'easter with a lot of ice, and that shut off power. We didn't have power for a week, and that meant uh, we didn't have heat because we had electric heat. It means uh, you know we didn't have a stove. And it also meant we didn't have a working toilet. And so it was, we literally were just living in 1850 for a week. You know, I, we had candles working. I was bundled in, you know, blankets 24 seven. Uh, that actually sounds kind of nice, but anyway, it was not nice. That was a, that was a rough week. I remember, yeah, I was going to say when we were a kid, I, I lived through like Hurricane Andrew, I lived through Katrina and a bunch of those stuff. You know, we would go, you know, sometimes over, I'm not trying to like one up you, you know, sometimes like, like Katrina, I mean, there's parts of the state that had, didn't have power for like ten days, you know, and like it was pretty funny. Um, uh, do you know uh, Canes, the, the 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 restaurant chain? Yeah, Chicken Fingers. Yeah, they they apparently have uh, gas stoves. Like, I mean, they don't have electric stuff. They they use gas. So all of the Canes were like uh, were open, and the line would be just a mile out the door, and. You could only order one thing. It was like the box combo thing. And it was like exactly $5, no tax. They're like, you know, we're only taking cash because like all you could take. And it was just, it was that. And I remember the very first thing that started happening after Katrina, like when we still had no power, where the beer trucks started making runs. So people were just having like Katrina parties. We call them hurricane parties. And like, it got pretty crazy. Um, We were, we were technically, I lived in a gated community by LSU. And since we didn't have power, our gates were closed and they locked and so someone eventually like manually got them open, but we couldn't even like leave the area because like we couldn't get our cars out of the neighborhood. But thankfully we had like, you know, the door we could walk through and there was sure. a convenience store like a, like a, like a mile away. So it wasn't super bad, but like there was some fun stuff going on, but like, I you know, why are we even talking? This isn't going to happen, you know, like that kind of stuff. Hopefully you know, I don't think anything like that's going to happen. No, it's just going to be a lot of isolation. And like, I guess like, I'm sure you'll hear stories of like things going wrong when people are quarantined. And, but that's going to be a lo- like sort of localized stuff. Yeah, you know, just isolation, you know, non-human contact. You'll have to just fend for yourself in your house. So just a normal Wednesday or Thursday for most Magic players, right? Yeah, especially me. Yes, yes. Let's say <laughs> you're just not going to leave. Yeah, you're just not going to leave your house. I mean, I was say I got some books I need to catch up on. I'm super excited about that. Some. Oh, I've got a long ass reading list, standing. Yeah, I got that. I got like I don't know if you saw this. I uh, I last night tweeted out like I need a new show to binge. Like someone give me whatever. That was part of this. I was like, man, if we get stuck here, I need I need a couple good series to like <laughs> binge like four or five seasons of to get through for for, for the Help life. Tan and plan for self quarantine. Well, look, I've already had to do. Look, I live in Louisiana where our weather tries to kill us yearly, so we have to like kind of we gotta we gotta think ahead of this kind of stuff. So everybody's weather tries to kill you. It's just how you know we have blizzards, you have hurricanes, Midwest has tornadoes, the West Coast has wildfires. 
You know, they all try to kill you. It's just how. Yeah, it's like funny. Even even when I lived in Vegas, I remember making that joke. I was like, oh, Vegas doesn't have anything like this. The first two months that I lived in Vegas, one of the mountains was just on fire the entire time. Like you just look over in like the northwest section of Vegas and it was just red. Yeah. Like, yeah, they just had a brush fire. Just the whole mountain was on fire. Vegas tries to kill you. Like, because if you try to walk outside for 10 minutes without drinking water, you collapse. You will melt. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's only it's only average is like 114 during the summer. No big deal. And plus all the like, you know, if you if you ever go out to the desert, desert animals, they're all the, they're the deadliest animals. Yeah, they all they're all trying to kill you. Yeah, they're they all trying to kill you at all times. <laughs> Every one of them, like not not even a, not not one of them is nice. <laughs> that little like you know sand colored rodent that digs it, it, into the digs tunnels to cool down. Yeah, I'm sure it's poisonous somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just alerted to it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it carries it's the gotta... plague. Yeah, there you go. It carries it carries the bubonic plague or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Let's let's not start that rumor going on or whatever. But anyway, long story short, just just be careful this weekend if you're traveling. If you're playing at magic tournaments, if you have trepidations about this, just don't go. Yeah, it's not it's not worth it. Just don't go. You don't have to go to everything. Yeah, I mean, for some people, like they they feel pretty priced in. You know, the the the, the few. But I've seen some discourse happening on on Twitter talking about like should should I go this weekend? If you are asking the question, should I go this weekend? You probably should not. You know, if you. Just, it'll be okay. Watch it from home. Have some fun. Yeah, we're going to have some good commentators. Yeah, fire up Magic Online. I don't know who they are yet. Yeah, well, they're all good, so it doesn't yeah, matter who it great, is. But... So you'll be fine. Yeah, but for my sake, I, I, gotta, I always hope for Cedric and, and Pat, just because, I mean, they make me laugh out loud at least once a round. So I, I lose it or whatever with them, so I'm super excited. If, if not, I'll, I'll be okay. The, I'm, the other... I'm also a real big fan of the turf. Oh, yeah. He's uh he's changed it up this year too. I know you don't get to watch it much, but he's not on um play by play as much anymore. Like, you know, he switched roles a little bit. And it's interesting to hear him change. Yeah. You know, like the, and like he has a little more freedom in what he wants to say. So he like, you know, cracks some jokes a little bit more here or there, and like he'll go down some like tangent somewhere, kinda like us. It's like I don't know, I, I like it a lot. I like his sense of humor. Awesome. I I I do also appreciate his sense of humor. So I'll be I'll be sure to watch a little bit more of his commentary after uh, you know. In the aftermath. Well, if you ever made feature matches anymore, you probably get to hear it a little more often if you go back and watch your matches. But we know it's been a while for you, so. Thanks for Zing. That. Zing. Thanks for what? That. Well, you're not, you're not playing with me anymore. That's a segue into the mailbag. Yeah, about that. We had a bunch of mailbag questions this week. Um, in the future, if you'd like to have your question uh, read and answered, there's an easy way to do that. You have to join our Discord. And if you're a patron of the show, they get to ask questions of us every week it's one of the perks that they get which we'll be going over a few of those at the end of the show so i don't go away too much uh i know some of you might tone it out at the end of the show too because i do the, the the outro like almost the same every week we got some cool stuff we're announcing over the next few weeks so make sure you uh don't miss on that too much but uh we did have some mailbag questions right ross we do we have several so let's start from the top we've got quinn o'grady asking what would need to happen for historic to become a relevant format <laughs> Wait, what? I don't even I don't even know what is legal in historic. Like, is it rotating? Is it is it double uh, dude, standard? No one knows. Do you know Hisugo's second second right is legal in that format? What? That card's twenty years old. Yeah, it's it's on arena. It's one of the cards they curated and put into the format. Honestly, like that kind of makes me want to play it just so I can hit Sugo's second right people. But yeah, this format is not relevant, and I doubt it ever will be. There's okay, so so there's. They get announced about the same time, right? Like, Historic got announced a little bit before, and we kind of had the leak about Historic as Pioneer. Like, you know, a little bit in the same, you know, 
that side of the year. It, one of them has actual tournament support, and one of them does not, and can like only really be pl- like no one plays. Like I've never been to a local store, and someone's like, "Hey, do you want to play historic?" You know, I got my historic deck sleeved up. Like that's not a that's not a thing. When I hear people say, if I heard someone say that, I would assume they wanted to play like old standard decks. Yeah, when someone said historic, I would think that or like, do you mean legacy or or vintage like vintage? Or... Yeah, like is your deck is your can you buy a car with your deck? If it's <laughs> yeah. foil, could you buy a house? Like, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, sorry, Quinn, if if we came off kind of rough there, sorry. Like we do kind of make fun of historic because I feel like Watsi really screwed the pooch here with uh with this format i think they really messed up and like they had a good idea i remember when i first heard about it i was like kind of excited i was like ooh, a non-rotating format on arena that sounds great and then they like didn't do anything with it they kind of just like the typical thing with watsi they announced this cool idea and then they didn't back it up yeah so this exists yeah yeah and it will continue to exist but it will not be relevant What's the what's the little meme drawing with like the kid with the stick and he's like poking something and says do stuff? That's that's historic. <laughs> that, that's historic. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, we got another question here from one of my favorite people in the Discord, Yeoman Five. Uh, check him out on TCGPlayer.com. Writes great articles every week. Does a really good dive into meta games and what you should be playing. What he thinks is really well positioned, et cetera, et cetera. Also, he's really active in our Discord and posts a lot of food pictures. And I love every single damn one of them he makes me so hungry whatever but how can people best spend their pioneer testing time in the limbo before bands are announced so kind of like what you went through this week you know a lot of the the scg grinders went through this week there's an announcement on monday which ended up doing nothing but we assumed was going to do something what's a good way to do that testing ross we said that you're one of i don't think anybody really expected anything beyond dig or inverter to be banned so like Obviously, you can say, like, what would this metagame look like if Inverter just wasn't a deck and go from there? That that would probably be the best way to do it. Um, but honestly, like, it's so, it's such a crapshoot that I don't want to be, like, wasting time. I guess, like, the best... I, okay. The best way is probably to conceive of that scenario. Like, what do, what do I think the most likely, you know, one or two scenarios is? what is a deck that I think would be good in that scenario and just start testing that deck so that you're at least have a baseline of familiarity with it. If the time comes and that becomes your front runner. So don't do any re- actual testing of like the post band format. Don't go that far or the speculative post band format. I would just try to figure out what my starting point would be in the most common scenarios. And then at least try to build that baseline, a competency with the decks that you're interested in as much as you can in that time. Obviously you're doing it against a previous format, but these bands weren't going to change a huge amount. Most bands don't, you know, a lot of decks survive, most decks survive a given ban. Um, so you should be able to learn a lot about those decks and then be starting from, you know, a level or two ahead of where you might have otherwise been. But, you know, you're still running the risk of, like, something significant happening. Like, if, had you done that for this, you would just be like, oh, now I kind of still want to play Inverter, if you're an Inverter person. Um, and if you're not, like, you could have just been playing with that deck anyway. Um, so there's no real need to prepare for some other eventuality. It, it's so hard to try to figure out, like, the tertiary and secondary effects of a ban, you know, you know, when a ban initially happens, it's like, okay, the decks that were bad against the deck that got banned get better, and the decks that were good against that deck get get worse. But in reality, like, you know, 
once those decks get be- like the, the decks that get better have a ripple where the decks that they're good against get worse and the decks that they're, they're bad against get better and uh, like there's this you know those secondary and tertiary effects that also affect the metagame so trying to predict those is just so hard you know especially before you even know what the bands are that i wouldn't want to go that far with it but you know just trying to widen your range so that you're not starting from square one if a major band happens and you can't play the deck you would have otherwise wanted to play is a reasonable thing to do i think because, you know, then your range is wider for the next time if you want to play the deck that you've practiced with. Yeah, I think it's a really good... I, I don't have anything to add after all that. I think you you nailed it. Yeah, good job. Yeah, it's perfect. You're like James Carville in old school. Just got nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. All right. Uh, Lee McLeod asks, A bit ago, there was some discussion about Watsi putting out a statement behind format goals slash banlist goals. If you, were in cha- if you were in charge of all Pioneer, what would you have the format stated position be? You know, honestly, I would, to, to come from like a funny answer, but kind of mean it, is I would I would want it to not be modern. I would want it to not fall into what modern fell into, right? Like into complete degeneracy and chaos for a while. Though it does look like modern is actually kind of, you know, maybe getting good. I don't know, whatever. Oh, modern um, looks like it's getting really good, by the way. Yeah, it looks like it's getting really good, but um, I would just want it to be to feel like a non-rotating format that isn't busted. Does that make sense? Like, you know, what I'm trying to say, it doesn't feel like legacy, it doesn't feel like modern. Like, one where you get to play, on average, a few more turns before the game is before yeah. the game is decided. A, a format where a lot of four to six mana cards see play. Yeah, and like, one of the main reasons I like Pioneer, and I really think that a lot of people have gravitated toward this and maybe not put into words, like they haven't been like, this is the reason I like it, they've subconsciously liked it because of this reason, is it keeps their cards having worth, right? Like, your good standard decks, like, you're going to lose money on them when they rotate, but you're going to lose less now because these cards are playable, fringe playable, or just good in Pioneer. So now, if, like, you play standard, your Uro is going to, you know, kind of... I mean, that card's just good in every format, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you know, Nissa is still going to have some value after standard rotates when it's, like, no longer a good card in standard, but it's still playable in Pioneer. And... This makes like buying into paper cards a little bit better for people. You know, you have this non-rotating format. The bands have really slowed down. And I think the format's great. And I think it's in a really good spot moving forward. So that would be my choice is like have one that keeps like consumer confidence level high. But it's just like you get to play more turns like you were saying, like turns four through six matter. And not necessarily even turns four through six. You know, Legacy can play long games. Yeah. But yeah. there's such a high density of really powerful one-mana cards that the curves are incredibly condensed. It's all ones and zeros for the most part. And then a couple really powerful, like, two to four-mana cards that are huge payoffs for given strategies, right? I want to see cards that cost four, five, and six mana see play in Pioneer on rate and rate alone. You know, cards like Nissa Voice of... Or not Voice of... Uh, Nissa Who Shakes the World... Cards like Karn uh, and, you know, even Archangel Allison that we noted earlier in the show. And, uh, you know, even Jace Wilder Mysteries kind of fits into that category. Like, you know, so I, I want to see some fewer condensed curves uh, relative to what you see in Modern or what you see in Legacy. And relative to Standard, I want to see more synergy-driven decks and more tightly built aggressive decks so if all of those things are uh, reasonable and viable you know and they can shift in relative viability over time you know ebb and flow as the metagame changes 
then I think Pioneer is in a really good spot because those are things not no other format has all of those things. And that's going to make Pioneer feel not it's it's not going to feel like it's going to make it feel unique because it's not going to feel like standard because you're going to see more diversity. So you're going to get that bit of modern, but it's not going to feel as degenerate as modern and legacy are. Uh, and that's that's really you know a good term. The curves are degenerate in those formats. It's all ones, um, and you just mix and match the order that you play them in. It's part of what makes those formats really skill intensive because you have a lot of different orders that you can play them in. Whereas when your curve is one, two, three, four, it's very straightforward how to cast them. Make land drop, play end drop, you know. Uh, but those kinds of things should be viable because we want to be able to look at a four mana card and just be like, well, this isn't Chase the Mind Sculptor, or this isn't Natural Order, or this isn't, you know, wh whatever card people are playing, and have it see play. This isn't Primeval Titan for six mana cards. And, and still have it see play, right? You know, so that that's where I would be. Though I will say I'm not a big fan of having some, like, overarching goal for a format because you know eventually pioneer will become somewhat degenerate like it's just gonna happen you can't have 20 years of formats or 20 yeah of 20 years of sets when you know without it so it eventually and then we'll you know, make another format that should have that goal uh and then like you know modern will probably die or whatever pioneer part du, you know or whatever but <laughs> yeah uh, pioneer two electric boogaloo yeah there you go perfect uh isaac bant spirits enthusiast i'm going to try i'm sorry I'm going to try to go to some paper pioneer events over spring break, but I'm not sure what the meta will look like as I've never been to the stores before. How should I go into it? Just assume it looks like the overall meta. I think that's the best strategy. It's just, yeah. If you don't know, you know, my, my local store always has a high representation of burn. Like, you know, we hear that or Texas always has a lot of burn players. Well, I find that to be a little overblown and, Oh, I'm not ready for the local meta. Yeah. That, that is something that could happen, right? Like everyone plays blue, white control, like everyone, you know, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, just go in with, you know, if you have the opportunity to have a couple decks and maybe some ways to change it, you can figure it out or whatever. But yeah, just go in with a, a clean slate and be prepared for the good decks. In those kinds of environments, if you just play good decks and play them well, you'll succeed even if the oh, yeah. matchups aren't great. <laughs> All right. And the last question from the great boomer uh, with the ban announcement or lack of or lack of how do you feel about Watsy handling of banning so far? So far, so good on my end. You know, I wrote my entire article this week agreeing with not changing anything. I think we covered that earlier in the show pretty well. I like, I generally like the result of their initial test period and starting with just the fetch lands. Like that experiment, I think worked pretty well. Um, you know, eventually, I think cards will come off of it. But right now, there's none of them that seem to me like they really should. And and that was, you know, a potential uh, maybe like Oath of Nissa could. That might be the only one, uh, but there is, you know, nothing glaring, and uh, we have a pretty sh small ban list, probably about, you know, the five fetch lands and what, like 10 other cards, something like that, uh, and for a uh, format that's, you know, seven years of sets or something like that, eight, eight years of sets, um, that's pretty good. So, and, and our metagame looks diverse and healthy and... Uh, you know, maybe people are getting a little bit bored of the gameplay against Inverter, but Inverter's dropping, and now we get to figure out how to play against these devotion strategies and things like that. So, so far, so good to me, and I think the results are, or the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. You know, I agree a lot overall. You kind of stole my thunder and the fact that I was going to say, I, I like the way they've handled pretty much everything, and I think that they should possibly consider an unbanning in the future. And that's something we start thinking about. Honestly, the one that kind of sticks out to me 
especially if the format keeps going the way it is where it's like mono white, mono green, inverter, and like blue white control and like maybe some spirits is maybe we could talk about smuggler's copter, you know, give the aggro decks a, a, a good card. You know, yeah. if they're just not being represented. Like this is a, this is at least a discussion that we can have. Yeah, I, I, I that that's one that I think is not you know completely egregious. Where like you can discuss bring that one off. Uh, I do love the card and own four of them, so you know all four on those levels. Uh, you know things like Felidar Guardian, Oko, Nexus of Fate, they're staying on. You know, good riddance to them. Those cards are heinous. Let's leave them away. Let's leave them alone. Let's leave them where they belong. But Ross, you mentioned your article quite a bit this week. And a lot of people might want to interact with you and talk to you about that. Where's somewhere they could go to read that or talk to you if they want to do. Okay. So first things first, my Twitter is at Ross Hunneds. That's R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. Uh, I do try to respond to people there. So if you just have questions about whatever, um, you know, you can get at me there. And I appreciate any uh, follows. Um, my articles go up on StarCityGames.com on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, this week's, as I've mentioned multiple times, is about why I think no bands in Pioneer was the correct choice for uh, this announcement. Um, you know, articles, uh, you know, even if you're not a premium member on SCG, all the articles, I think, go live on uh, or go like sort of unpaywalled after a week. Um, so you can get all of my articles except the most recent one, you know, for free. Uh, and I like to think they remain relevant for some time afterwards. Um, so appreciate any reading there. And then I also do co-host versus live with Corey Baumeister twice a week. That's going to be Tuesdays and Thursdays, one to 4 PM Eastern time. Uh, and it's on twitch.tv slash star city games, same channel you go to, to watch open coverage and the like, uh, we're on there during the week playing any, uh, matchups and formats that we think are relevant to, you know, tournament play at that time. Sometimes we do some fun stuff as well when tournaments get, uh, you know, when there's a lull in the um, tournament schedule. But we're always having fun with it. We play for the marbles. We take questions live if you're able to watch us live. Uh, you know, this Thursday show is going to be all about Pioneer getting us prepared for the Open in Baltimore. Next week, we'll focus all about Modern getting you prepared for Syracuse. We played a little bit of Modern today, breaking down the results from regionals and showing off some decks we thought were really cool or really innovative. Um, and if you can't catch us live, you can watch those on the Star City Games YouTube channel. The Tuesday shows go up on YouTube the following Friday, so three days later. Thursday shows go up the following Monday, so four days later. Uh, and you can catch them there. And that is uh, not paywalled ever. So um, I think that's it for me. Tan, what do you got? All right. If you wanted to follow me on Twitter, that's at the Tanner Grace, pretty easy to find me on there. I'm the, the only Tanner Grace. That's why there's, I'm, I'm the Tanner Grace. I don't, I don't know how to explain this anymore, but yeah, lots of, uh, lots of really random takes and really random questions and stuff on there. I, I interact quite a bit on, on Twitter. I try to interact with everybody th that does it as well. I always have a Twitter for the cast itself. It's at cast pioneer. Um, we try to interact as much as possible on there. Also send us your dope shit. You can use that, you know, hashtag if you want. You don't have to. But anytime you do really well at a tournament, let us know, and we'll try to retweet it, get a little discussion going on about it. Uh, get, get some uh, get some airtime for, for your success. You know, let us know what's going on. On that Twitter, you can find a link to our Discord, which we mentioned on the show quite a bit. Um, our Discord is popping, as the kids would say. I, I, don't, I don't think the kids say that, by the way, Ross, but I don't know why I just chose to say that. But anyway. I don't know why either, but, you know, you did, and you can't really back out now. It happened. 
we could we could fix it in post. All right, we could fix it in post. But um, our Discord is extremely extremely active and a very wide range of of talks here. And it's not just Pioneer. We have other formats and stuff as well in here. Plus, uh, my personal favorite is the Food and Pets channel. Uh, you know, we mentioned Yeoman Five earlier. He's a real big person in the in the food channel. We got a, we These got are two actual- distinct channels, by the way. I know. So, you said food and pets channel, not channels. Which channels. might be confusing. Yeah, it's not a not a channel that's all food and pets or pet pet food or anything like that. There's a food channel and a pets channel. Yeah. Just want to be clear so about that. They are separate. Um, I love them both. Uh, Yeoman Five's real big into the food thing. We also have a chef in here that shows off a lot of the stuff that he's preparing, and I've had to ask for a couple of the recipes because I was like, yo, I want to actually make that. That looks amazing. It won't look as good when I do it, but hopefully it tastes as good in my belly. So we'll figure that out. A lot of cool stuff going on in there. Also, this picture of you, Benny helping your wife with her dissertation is priceless. She's oh, just yeah, looking man. up the camera like, I'm helping. Yeah, my dog is so photogenic, it hurts. She knows to look at the camera and smile. It's, yeah, so there's definitely some good Benny pictures in there. If you don't know that is my dog's name is Benny. It's the cutest Pomeranian in the entire world. It's definitely the cutest dog in magic. Yeah, I said it. Oh, fight me. I said it. And uh, she's amazing. And you can get some cool, candid uh, shots of her in there. Um, though, we do have a couple things in the, the the Discord that you can only get to if you're a patron of the show. We have the mailbag submission uh, section, like we said. Uh, we have the patron channel in there. Um, we kind of respond to that one a little bit quicker. Something comes up, obviously. But uh, Ross does post whatever deck that he's going to be playing in the tournament along with the cyborg guide sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't have time to type out the whole cyborg guide. I missed one week, okay? Two, I wasn't, no, two, I I wasn't, gi- two weeks. I wasn't giving you wasn't giving crap about it. I'm saying if you can, do, you will. I will be doing it this yeah. week. Don't worry. No, no, I was saying if you can, you will. Like some, I mean, people understand you. Have, like, dude, like you built a deck at like 2 a.m. the day of the tournament. Like, they're not going to... You know, they're not going to lose their mind of the fact that, like, dude, I, you know, I changed all my stuff and just wanted you, to sleep. You'll get my list and cyborg guide on Friday afternoon yeah. when I'm safely ensconced in Baltimore. Yeah, I've been putting up some stuff in there, too. You know, decks that I would play, et cetera, et cetera. I'll answer questions and stuff in there as, as well. Or if I'm ever playing a tournament, which the odds of that happening right now are pretty low with what's going on with traveling. But I do play some local stuff every now and then. Um, a couple people were asking for one of my commander decks. I need to type up the list and put it in there. It's a lot harder to do that because you have to type out literal 100 cards. So that's uh, a lot harder to do than for the average deck. But I'll see what I can do. Um, we have a 2 5 and $10 tier for the for the patrons right now. A lot of cool things in the works for uh for the patrons going forward uh, me and ross had a long discussion before the show we're gonna have a little bit of one after more this week but we have a lot of cool things in the works if that ends up happening so i'm super excited about that um if you did want to give us some of your patronage that's patreon.com slash pioneer um we really appreciate every single person that does this you help us out a lot um you make the show, you know, free for us to produce, which is a big deal. You know, we need to make sure Brent gets taken care of. We got to pay for, got to pay to keep the lights on, as they say, uh, and stuff as well. So we appreciate every single one of y'all that does support us, and you mean the world to us. And we can't, we wouldn't do this without you, honestly. So, again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. And uh, here's to a long time forward in this amazing format. Hopefully, we get to keep doing this for as long as we can. Uh, you know. As long as Ross can can stand it, I think at one point in time he might lose his mind. We'll see. Eh, I, I would bet that you lose your mind first. I don't know if I'm gonna lose my mind. I think at some point I'd be like, 
the, the cast is probably better off if somebody replaced me. Like if I got like really busy with work, you know, uh, we're planning on having kids relatively soon. Let's not know. talk about any of this, Tannen. I want everything to stay. I, I just got done with a weekend of like full of nostalgia and all the things I miss about hanging out with old friends. I don't want to think about the future where, you know, I barely, barely see or talk to you. No, we'll always be friends. Like I'll yeah. always text you randomly like, do you see Ricky Rubio tonight or whatever? You did text me that. And I expected him to have scored at least 30 points. And when I noticed he didn't, I was very upset with you. Dude, that was his season high. He scored 25, but he also yeah. had a triple-double at 25 points. 13 rebounds, 13 assists, multiple steals. Yeah, he was awesome. Sometimes Ricky just does that. Do you see the triple-double he put up on Russell and Westbrook in the playoffs two years ago? Yeah, but the thing is, is like I thought they were going to dial him back. You know, like I have him on one of my fantasy teams, and I almost didn't start him at night because they were like, yeah, they're going to cut his minutes, you know, because it's towards the end of the year. And I'm like, bro, I got playoffs to win. <laughs> He's like 28. They don't need to cut any minutes. No, they wanted some of the kids to play a little more, I think is what it was. Fuck the kids. <laughs> okay, about that? Anyway, we almost got through an entire show without talking about basketball. Damn it. It's baseball season, dude. Baseball's coming up. Fuck and- baseball. Dude, they're going to be playing in empty stadiums. It's going to be so weird. It's not baseball season until, like, the All-Star break. You're out of your damn mind. It's baseball season for me in December. So it's always baseball season for me. So super excited about that. But anyway, everybody stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week.